Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, a podcast from thetwingeeks.com featuring myself, Stephen, and my good friend, Vaughn. Hey, Vaughn. Hello, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing all right. Um, it's been a long week, um, but I've seen quite a few new movies recently and excited to talk about them. Um, I think you've got like a stacked, so to speak. More on that <laughs> later. Um, that's going to make no sense to most people. Um, actually, realistically, no. I think, it, I think it will sense. make sense. <laughs> I'm pretending we have more listeners than we do. It's part of the fun <laughs> fantasy that we wish to engage in. Um, yeah. Um, I feel like we are hitting with releases now. Um, yeah, it feels like that. We, we committed to like some films during the off time, and now yeah. I feel like there are too many films. <laughs> Which is a good problem to have. There's a lot to yeah. choose from. Uh, we we still even... will cover Sonic. Don't worry. I know the Sonic people are there calling for Sonic. Because there was a bit where I was like, do we still need to cover Sonic? I've, I've been I, my whole week had been planned around seeing Sonic at some point so I feel like now I'm committed I'm yeah. seeing it tonight I can't not record an episode at this yeah. point <laughs> agreed I did go to the effort of seeing the goddamn movie <laughs> so, um, yeah so Sonic was seen um, oh, I saw The Lost City yesterday I'm going to say this on on here I told you this yesterday so I was in a situation where uh, my partner and two of our friends two of our friends are visiting and we we're like we're going to a town near us which is a town that I now work in um, just out for a, for a meal a couple of drinks and they're like let's go see a movie and my partner was just like let's go see The Lost City because she kind of wanted to see it and thought it would be palatable and the two things showing at that time well three things counting Double Door but that was never going to happen um, and shouldn't happen we're not covering who's that seen movie. we're <laughs> no. not covering that uh, we might give like Vaughn a minute at some point to just explain that it's terrible but read his review when it's up which might be up already it's really fabulous um, I laughed so much during that it's so spot on <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I don't need to watch that movie nobody um, does so we were going to go see The Lost City and I was like look it's either Lost City or Morbius and the pitch I'm still so proud of this pitch but it didn't work I was saying <laughs> The Lost City it's going to be a movie we'll watch and we'll be like, that was fine, or it's okay. It's going to be like dull and unremarkable. Morbius looks like one of the worst movies of the year. And therefore, that's an experience. I, I totally agree with that pitch. Yeah. I totally am all for it. I would much rather see something terrible that'll be memorable than something that's just bland and it's going to leave mm. my memory. There's Is that a type how you came out of Lost City? Yeah, Lost City. I, I liked it less than anyone else there, I think. Um, Emma quite liked it, um, to be fair. So that's good. Um, it's nice to, that she got a movie that she enjoyed <laughs> as opposed to me making her one. So in the end, right decision. Also, it's because also Morbius started early and I kind of wanted to go home <laughs> um, and get, get to sleep earlier. But, All valid reasoning. Uh, but which was unfair because I often stay up late watching my own movies. So it would be an unfair thing to be like, well, now we're watching a movie together. I want to go to sleep. Um, anyway, I also saw on opening night, I came back from Madeira from a holiday um, and went out with one of the friends I was in Madeira with and previously mentioned partner to go see the brand new David Eggers movie. The Robert Eggers. No, no, no. David Eggers, the novelist, right? That's the oh. same guy, right? David Eggers. This is... Oh my God. I saw the wrong movie. I read a novel. <laughs> your, I read your the literary circle. references are lost on me. <laughs> I read the circle. Oh no. I read the... the introduction to Infinite Jest, which I think is written by David Eggers, <laughs> I think. I mean, I have read Infinite Jest, um, which you only read so you can say that. I only read it so now I can tell people, yes, I have read Infinite Jest. There Ask you go. Me about it. I don't have any questions about Infinite Jest. Oh, it's really moment. good. Though, actually, why is, here you go, here's a question. Why is Infinite okay. Jest actually appropriate to this conversation? I wouldn't know because I haven't read it. I'm not part of that, oh, that group should. of people that read it to say they could read it. <laughs> ah, it's, it's not having to read it. The title, Infinite Jest, is taken from a line from Hamlet. 
Um, it's from the famous to be or not to be soliloquy. I believe it actually might be later in the play, so that could be wrong. But a person of infinite jest um, is from Hamlet. There you go. Look and at that. Hamlet is based on the same legend that the Northman is based on. So, yes, Robert Eggers, not David Eggers, the novelist. <laughs> I got it to make sense somehow. Yeah, I do. I do generally get them confused sometimes because Eggers is such an uncommon second name to me. I, I can't say I've heard it outside of him. <laughs> well, like what I've heard too. And David That's and true. Robert are also quite. Sorry, Eddie. David's or Robert's listening. <laughs> sorry, actually, David listening <laughs> are actually kind of like. Dare I say, blandly interchangeable? Yes, <laughs> I, I do. Um, so therefore, David Eggers, Robert Eggers is confusing. So yeah, Robert Eggers, the Northman. We're both fans of Robert Eggers. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's not hard to have seen all of his movies now that there are only, I mean, there's three, including mm -hmm. The Northman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, huge fan of both The Witch and The Lighthouse. Um, I don't know if I ever talked about The Witch specifically with you. I know you are a huge fan of The Lighthouse, but... Um, I think The Witch is his best movie, um, definitely. Okay. Um, which best? And, well, let's just say... We'll, we'll leave my Northman opinion, even though I've done a long <laughs> review of it. Um, I think most people are probably well aware. Yeah, very, very aware. Um, okay, then, yeah, whatever. I think his, his movies have got worse somehow um, <laughs> than the first two are really, really good. Um, I think The Witch is fabulous. Um, I think it's it's so cool. It's so interesting. The Live Deliciously line is one of the best lines in modern Oh, horror, absolutely. One of the best moments. Um, I think it's it really makes his process that he talked about make sense of that like right. exhaustive amount of research into the actuality of something. I don't think you watched that um, amazing folk horror documentary, Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched, I think. It's no, called. I have not, not seen uh, that yet. It's really, really good. It's like four hours long, but it's fabulous. And there's a, there's a big chunk in it. Well, small compared to the rest of the runtime, but talking about the witch and they have some people there talking about, they've got some, um, anthropologists, archeologists, I'm not sure. Some ologists, you know what ologists are like. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about how there are things in that movie that have not been in cinema before, like specific practices. Right. There is Hollywood and movie witchcraft. There is witchcraft, I'm putting finger quotes up. Um, and this is showing the reality of, of witchcraft as it was presented or as the fears were around at the time. So yeah, The Witch is a really good horror movie, like a great period piece, a great exercise in like drama, really good character stuff. I think it's just fabulous. What a debut, what an amazing Yeah, film. it's brilliant. I remember The Witch was one of those early like, admittedly i'm more recently like a, a big horror fan like i would consider myself that now but it hasn't been that long that i've been really into yeah. horror movies but i feel like the witch was one of those that really i watched it and just like the way it was all built and constructed and just like was kind of in awe of it and that really made me want to seek out a lot more uh in that genre i think for me as a bit of like a as a horror fan before that there was constantly like a, a genre a genre defender that was very much a case of being like look modern horror is really right. good guys um because I feel that there's this like, I think it's still continuing like this like boom Absolutely. of an era of, in the same way the 90s has a very distinct feel of horror and the 80s most definitely does. The, that new style of horror is still going strong, still really interesting. Um, so yeah, that's The Witch. The Lighthouse, you love The Lighthouse. I do love The Lighthouse. I think The Lighthouse is absolutely brilliant. And I think it's just this great kind of delirious, maddening journey. I think it's a perfect follow-up to The Witch um, in that sense. Like it is the perfect way to continue using that style and that sort of exhaustive mm. research to do something that feels in the same vein and, and still has like that distinct style that clearly he's built, um, but is also very distinct in the way that it's formed. 
Yeah, The Lighthouse, um, obviously before our time at thetwingeeks.com, but was the twingeeks.com's film of the year, the year it came out. And that's a hell of a year to be film of the year as well. Yeah, it really um, is. It, it, it wouldn't be mine, to be fair. I, I, I do really like The Lighthouse. I think it's a great movie, but I remember being, you know, the movies you love, but are still disappointed in. Yeah, I get what you, I get what that that so feeling I was is because dis- I there was a time because these movies I think were all released a bit later in the UK than they were in the US and there was a time where the three movies I was most excited about that seemed like so like me movies I'd love were Parasite, The Lighthouse, and Jojo Rabbit because I love Take Away Titi movies. Right, um, Eggers great was very excited to watch a new movie it looked really really cool and Parasite just looked amazing as hell. I'd watched quite a lot of Wong Jun Ho more now obviously and I was like yeah cannot wait for this and parasite met surpassed expectations i there's a weird like blowback on parasite it, the movie's incredible like I don't yeah know, like, it's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely incredible it's, <laughs> it's one of the best movies it's so goddamn good um that by far the best um judge the rabbit i didn't like very much when i watched it and i've only grown to dislike it more um in thought um it was a shame and the lighthouse i thought was going to be just like it just gave me a razor head vibes in the the way that it was presenting itself Okay. And because I thought, ah, you know, like weird, like period horror at Razorhead. I almost went to see it with my like mum and dad um, <laughs> because it oh, it released in France um, earlier than it released in oh, England. Yeah. <laughs> and I was out in France at the time and it was showing as a version of Regional. Um, so that means in English with French subtitles. And I was like, I do want to see this movie. <laughs> and we were planning to go to town. And we went to see something else at the end that was like powerful to all of us. Um, but I was like, oh, I do want to see it. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. My mum <laughs> yeah. will definitely hate it. <laughs> I definitely not would even not like have. it. And my dad will either really like it or be like, I hated that. And I'm like, oh, it's almost worth it. And I didn't in the end. I, I kind of regret it. That would have been an experience. It would have been um, an experience. I think, it would have been. I think you probably would have regretted it ultimately. Yeah, no, totally. 100%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then I saw it when it came out in England um, at Home Cinema in Manchester, amazing cinema. And my takeaway was it's really, really good, beautifully made. I love our Pats, love Defoe. He is different to yeah. me. Um, those two are absolutely incredible. And my very pernickety, very pedantic take is it felt very staged and artificial in a way that didn't help the weirdness to me it felt the weirdness was like affect and theatrics as opposed to a razor head where i feel subsumed into that world and boggled by it the whole time watching um the lighthouse i'm like this is a strange movie but it's a movie and it felt very filmic in a way that didn't completely immerse me but wasn't like Brechtian because obviously I do like some movies that do really draw attention. Like I, I'm a right. huge defender of funny games, for example, and that hugely Brechtian. So it wasn't going for like the Brechtian. We are twisting the viewership of this movie. To me, it just felt like a machine of a film and a very okay. attractive machine. But I could see I could see the moving parts too much. I don't think that helped with the central central points of it was my take, which is very pedantic, but it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand that viewpoint. I think that that just comes down to, you know, personal preference and whether that aspect of it works for you. Cause I do think it does that. I think it is more overt with the way that it's constructed and mm. it is more theatrical, but for me, I think it's great and that's brilliant. And mm. I think it's just a ton of fun, but I totally can understand why that wouldn't connect with everybody. It, it is great though. It is, it is, it is great film. So I was very, very excited for the Northman. And I'm also, as you know, and as many of our listeners will know, I'm a big fan of 
we gave too much money to a weird director. Oh, absolutely. I've mentioned this before. Like, that's my favorite genres of movie. Um, obviously, my love of, like, Babe 2 is very highly documented. <laughs> but, like, I would even, like, include things like... I mean, even, even Gremlins 2, to an, to an extent, is like, right. we made this. This is what we made. <laughs> obviously, Texas Chainsaw 2 is a lovely example of that, of being like, this film shouldn't have got made in this way. Um, actually, Blade Runner is also, Blade Runner, the 2049, yeah. seems to be that to an extent of being like, well, you got given a lot of money to make this, didn't you? And you made a straight, you did yeah, not compromise. You made that's a, a great example. <laughs> um, and I, I, I love that. Actually, the best example, Mad Max Fury Road. You're just like, oh yeah. Oh, oh wow, there's so much money on the screen here. <laughs> um, and all of it works, in, yeah. In this way. Um, so I'm a huge fan of that. It's what I want the Godzilla, the modern Godzilla movies to be. And apart from arguably Shin Godzilla, they are not that, but Shin Godzilla isn't actually a huge budget film. Um, here is my interesting take that we'll talk about. I've, well, let's preface it with the conversation. Here is the debate around this film, because I've heard this argued for both sides, and I can see the. But you know me, I love both sides. Huge centrist <laughs> over here. Um, <laughs> Definitely I get a way I describe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, and I love that I've seen both sides of this argument. Either the Northman is proof that you can still do really interesting films in a studio system and sneak one out. Maybe there's an anomaly that you can do it or it's proof that you cannot do that that if you put an interesting director on the studio right. constraints it will diminish them what is your take there because i think that that debate is really central to this film that is a really interesting debate i think that and totally makes perfect sense in terms of how i can see both sides of it being mm. does it work or does it not work and which one is it really an example of i think again i think it might just be sort of individual i think that maybe the reality is like somewhere in the middle in a weird way because i feel like to an extent you can see some of that like you can you can feel to a point where it doesn't go as much into like the the weirdness of it like compared to like the lighthouse for instance is yeah. feels limited but yes, also limited to the parts that will have devotes you know unfortunately he's <laughs> in all true. of the lighthouse <laughs> um fortunately, but sorry. but also it is very much a Robert Eggers movie and it is also very dedicated to the atmosphere. Yes. And it's, I think it was David Ehrlich that put it this way that like, this is exactly what you would expect from someone giving Robert Eggers $90 million to make a Viking movie. And it is that. And so I think it is kind of both in a way, like it is a studio movie, but it's also very much a Robert Eggers movie. And how do you sort of delineate like what, which part of that speaks to your tastes more, I think. Hmm. I, I think I, and we'll get to this because this is like how I led off my review. For the first 20 minutes of this film, I was just like, whoa, they gave so <laughs> much money to this absolute madman. This is joyous. I sat there with my good friend AJ uh, and my partner and like the audience was interesting. It was, it was like, it was, it was a very late night screening on, on the first night. We got in very late, um, but it was, it was pretty busy, um, but it very much was the crowd did, did not seem to enjoy the movie, but I wasn't expecting them to. Right. Um, There's that sense of, Friday night mainstream crowd trying yeah. not to be insulting, but you get that. I, Luke, friend of the show, had messaged earlier talking about the movie being like, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. And the funny thing was that no one else in my screening did. I'm like, ah, <laughs> this sounds great. And for that first 20 minutes, it was like, it reminded me of when I took that same crowd. So, me, my friend AJ, and my partner Emma, we went to the Edinburgh Film Edinburgh Fringe Festival, um, famous like comedy and alternative arts festival. 
and we dragged a, like a group of like 15 friends to go see some like 1am like weird improv anti-comedy <laughs> stuff and we the three of us thought it was the funniest thing we'd ever <laughs> seen in our lives and the least the less funny everyone else found it the more like, right funny it <laughs> exactly because we were just like oh you guys are not getting this and the fact that you're not getting this is just incredible to us and that's what it felt like for that first 20 minutes of people like crawling around being dogs we're laughing at it it feels funny it feels vibrant yeah. It reminds me of um, Justin Kurzel's stuff, but in like a good way. I don't think Justin Kurzel's stuff is always brilliant, uh, but he's the guy that did um, Macbeth most famously. Um, oh, right. And uh, Tristan of the Kelly game, which I haven't actually seen, um, but it reminded me of like that kind of like fever dream stuff he goes to there. Um, and some like Ben Wheatley vibes as well, um, but like Ben oh, yeah. Wheatley. Um, and that, after that, it's just a very, very well-made, quite standard, not very interesting blockbuster. You know, like, and I and I edited and read your review before mm. I saw this movie mm. because the release dates, like, I saw it opening night in America, but you saw it opening night in the UK, it's where time it was zones for you were ahead, like a, <laughs> a week ahead. Um, yes. So I, I read your review, and I, I mean, your review is great, and I think it's perfectly spells out what your problems with it are, and I, I kind of went in thinking about all of that. Yeah, and it just interesting. <laughs> very quickly to me, I was like. I get everything that he said in that review and I don't really care about any of it. Like that's awesome. I I, I was just like, this just, this is just so much fun. Like I was just having a great time with the whole thing. I love that for you. I do love that for you. I did not have a fun time. Um, Maybe it was egged on by being late at night. I watch all kinds of things late at night. Um, It just, I don't know. I don't want to be too insulting. I mean, I I am on quote saying, I know I have a six out of 10 review up for this film. I'm on quote saying this is a bad movie. There are certain films where, if I didn't feel the need and this like weird compulsive needs to fully explain myself all the time, I talk myself into feeling, not right. feeling, but expressing certain things. When I fully explicate my ideas, I'm like, no, actually, this is quite good. I think a perfect example of that, if you want to look at a review of one that does that, is my review of Irreversible, of a film that sensibly I don't like at all. But when I could get that film into words, I got a lot more out of it than I thought I got out of it because writing is an interesting process. Yeah. Reviewing a film is different to watching a film. I've totally, totally Those, done the same before. Those that don't review films as often as we do maybe don't have that experience. But I think it's a very worthwhile experience. The amount of times that I don't put a rating down that I've written, then go, bam, actually right. it's that. I remember wrote about Wild Strawberries, the Bergman movie, and being like, that was pretty good. I wrote my review and went, you know what? That was an absolute masterpiece. The Souvenir Part 2 actually was the same. I've been like, I really liked that. Yeah. I wrote about it. It was like, that film was astonishing. That's a, um, just a great feeling. Mm, because in some films really come together when you actually force yourself to engage with them yeah absolutely Um, but obviously the opposite is true as well but i think with with the northman when i do engage with it fully critically i do find there is so much there to enjoy and if i had to do it in an old school kind of like weighing up the pros and the cons scale right movie very very good you remember like video game reviewing like 10 15 years ago when it was just like the good, the bad, and like oh, yeah. <laughs> rating it on like a graphic scale of a gameplay. So if I had to do the breakdown, being like visuals, 10 out of 10, blah, blah, blah. Acting, it's actually pretty good. Some of it's not as good, blah, blah, blah. Story, eh, it's not really there, but never mind. Action, pretty good, actually. Right. So, like the weighted so many... average would be higher than your just in the moment subjective feelings about yeah. it. But everyone that's asked me since I've watched it, watching the Northman, <laughs> I was just going, Eh, like I, I don't I don't <laughs> like it I do I think in my heart it's a bad movie um but I know that it's not right um, <laughs> I, yeah totally had that before I feel like brilliant stuff in it 
I feel like despite the fact that I absolutely loved it, like I would also mm. be hesitant to recommend it to anybody. <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, I think I would say the same for The Lighthouse as well. Like that movie yeah. is so like bizarre. Like you have to recommend it to the right people that you know are going to take it in in the right way. And so I, it's not a movie that I would just, you know, if someone said, what's a movie you recommend? I wouldn't just say The Lighthouse immediately, you know? And I feel like this is the same thing. Like, I don't know if I would specifically tell people to, you have to see this. It's a yeah. must-see movie. Mm, it's more okay. like, if you are a fan of Robert Eggers, if you want to see a, you know, full-bore atmospheric Viking revenge movie, then great, this is for you. But I think it's certainly not for everybody, which is part of the problem with it being a blockbuster movie is <laughs> but that's part of the, the, the greatness to... as well it is great oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, again i go back to that um fear and loathing like sequence so often of that which i've obviously i probably talked about on this very podcast already there's an amazing bit in fear and loathing las vegas where it's the bit that actually stars um, hunter s thompson where um the so raul duke as he's called in the movie i believe um opens up the door um, to find like an absolutely bizarre situation involving Hunter S. Thompson. And the narration is like, I want to feel for the rest of his story. And, and a random guy walks in on them doing crazy stuff. And he goes, I want to think for the rest of that, rest of his life, that man, every time I opened a door, thought there could be something absolutely wild behind this. <laughs> right. Every time. I love the idea, obviously within moral bounds of exposing an unprepared audience to something and then being like, I didn't know this existed. I don't know if I like this. Yeah. It goes back to my <laughs> raw story of that guy that saw that movie. So read my piece on, on raw for that. Love that. And I do feel that the Northman is going to give audiences that because it's marketing itself. Uh, so my friend that went to Madeira with, with us has no interest in the Northman, does not care at all. Did not go with us. He went out to go see Dua Lipa, actually. So that, those are your choices. You could go see Dua Lipa or the Northman. He went to see Dua Lipa. Obviously, that was pre-prepared. He just like, just hang out. Um, and everything, he's not a film person. We mentioned it. He goes, oh, is that like Game of Thrones? And that's how they that's how they advertised it. Right. This one was advertised as like Game of Thrones, maybe lost popularity, but people are still wanting the thing to scratch that itch. And there is a whole bunch of people going to go see this, thinking it's going to be yeah. very, very good. It ain't that. This yeah, is not it's definitely that not that. I think that, that's no. definitely a terrible sales pitch for what this movie is. I mm. uh, would not would not want to tell anybody that going in. I would definitely no. definitely just say expect Robert Eggers if you know anything about what that looks like. Um, but yeah, it's just it's too abstract and weird in a lot of ways mm. to be compared to something as more narratively focused as Game of Thrones. Have you seen Apostle? I have not. Is that the um oh I wanna yes. I, I'm I'm yes, I'm close. Um not Evans, not Gareth Evans. Oh yeah, is it oh. Gareth Edwards? Gareth the okay, of I, I wanted, didn't want to get it wrong. And the Rage right. 2. Because Gareth um, Evans is the Rogue One director. Yes, yes, yes. Well, arguably, who knows, really? Again, <laughs> talk about that movie. Um so um apostle is a movie i was very very excited about uh because like you i'm a huge fan of the raid and the rage 2 um more so the raid though i think the raid 2 is amazing both um, phenomenal movies just so so cool and he's i don't know he, is he in direct to jail like not like proper direct to jail but i guess like the raid 2 looked expensive and i don't think it actually made money i think a lot of people have seen it 
Yeah, it doesn't seem money? like he has anything in the works that I know of. Yeah. Uh, definitely want to see more from him, but yeah. it's hard and to tell. And then he made Apostle for Netflix. And I was really excited about it. And in the end, it was kind of okay. Um, and Apostle weirdly reminds me a lot of The Northman, of this film being like, I see the talent here. And you're such an interesting right. filmmaker. This film is not very interesting. And there are bits in it that are appealing. There are scenes in Apostle that get gory and wild. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And I mean, you know the scene I mean. There is one scene in the Northman that I'm like, this is incredible. <laughs> I do know exactly what you mean. And I'm, I don't know why you're spear. hiding it. <laughs> because this is a spoiling podcast. Yeah. So yeah, um, a guy, so it's, it's we've we flashed forward the chapter structure. We'll talk about that because I hate the chapter structure. The chapter structure, bam. We, um, Skarsgård is all grown up. He still can't act very well, but he is very good looking. So I'll give him that. <laughs> Um, my partner, a big fan of Mr. Skarsgård, and even she has been like, yeah, I mean, he can't act, can he? I'm like, not really, not I think, to this movie's credit, I think this movie knows that he's not exact, like, that's not his strong suit. Like, yes. it uses him very well for what it does, he can yeah. do, which is be insanely shredded and scream into the night sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are right. I think there's only one person who is not cast very well in this and who doesn't do very well in this, I guess. Kidman, maybe. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I think I think that she she doesn't really stands out. Meet the movie on the register where it is. Even in the opening sequence, that I think is brilliant. Her hysteria is not quite the movie hysteria, um, and she's such an important role. And she's she's not bad. She's just she's not great, um, and she's slightly out of step with the film. I think. Yeah, um, I mean, she's it's a good performance. It's just not the performance that the movie needs it to be. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah, great yeah. way. I mean, she's she, she's. A brilliant actor, um, but not quite in this movie. Um, so yeah, the, the Skarsgård running at this thing, grabs a spear, it's this one continuous shot. Man, it's incredible. We climb up the wall, we go down, he's fighting people. The camera ducks away, but not in that 1917, oh, let's move around so we can set up the next scene. <laughs> so so many one-shot films feel like, we're looking over here a minute. Like, we both saw Boiling Point, right? Yeah, not a fan of that movie. And you know where Boiling Point was been like, what feels like two hours going outside for no real reason like <laughs> yes we're yeah. setting up the rest of the movie uh, they literally just follow this entire right. character out for five minutes as he walks to a really far away car or back and you're like yeah and it's just totally ancillary like, I'm so <laughs> no, it does not sell that at all i'm not a fan of that movie i know a lot of yeah. people are and we're kind of in the minority there but yeah i thought that i think i like it more than you do um, you do i definitely think i like it the least out of anyone yeah. i know but it, I don't think it's very good. Um, but yeah, so this this does a really good job of the, when it's hiding the camera to set things up, it finds a really interesting thing to focus on. So it never feels like it's trying to hide the scene. Right. So it's not Boiling Point of 1917. And it's so well framed. And it's not a film that makes you current constantly think, oh my God, the camera's still going. Like you do you do clock it because you're like, right. you know, we are trained to clock these things. We watch a lot of movies, we review them. So you are clocking, man, is this a water? It's a water, isn't it? But it doesn't feel like, hmm. Oh, yeah, great time. Right, it's not great calling time. attention to itself. Yeah. It just is it that because be that's there. what it needs to be, right? Yeah, it, it, it's, it's translating the raw emotion to the screen so well. And it does that cliched thing, that spec ops the line thing of, you know, you have the bloody battle, pause, cut, and then you see aftermath. And I always do kind of like that. It is a cliched thing. It's an easy thing, but, but a great way. Yeah, it works because yeah. you do. Action scenes are viscerally exciting. So you get caught up and you're like, yeah, love this. And you're like, maybe I shouldn't love this. Works every time. Right. Like you get caught up in the excitement of it. And then you're like, oh, right. The Vikings were brutal and horrible. <laughs> and mm. it's just disturbing in a way. That scene is so good. Um, 
And then there are there are not okay, there are no other scenes like that in the film, which is good, there shouldn't be. That 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 is like a standout set piece that needs to be unique. But there are lots of action scenes in the film, and I frankly did not care about them, even if they are independently, if I were to watch them as scenes of like very, very good. The battle with the volcano at the end. I'm sure if I watch again, very, very good. At the moment, I was like, oh my God, one of you just kill each other. I do not <laughs> care. I was like, you're both going to die. It's Hamlet. I know Hamlet. You're going to die. Just die already. I really right. don't care. Which is interesting because I, I mean, I guess that just speaks to like being whether you end up in step with the movie or not. Because like when it got to that point, I was just like, I was totally locked in. I was oh, totally so had been, <laughs> I had totally been vibing with the movie the whole time. And that moment was just great. Like, I, I understand that it's a story that, everyone knows and we've all seen so many times before mm. but like it's the kind of movie where it gets to a certain point for me and especially I think Eggers does that well like because his movies are so well thought out in terms of like the setting and the landscape and like all yes, the research I that agree. goes into it like it gets to a point where I'm just like sold enough on it that I'm not thinking about I know this story I'm waiting for what's going to happen next like I'm just in in the universe there I mean you're right but as I put my review or alluded to, I think the background is so good, but the foreground of this movie is dull. Like there, the background is so meticulously crafted, they forgot to put a goddamn thing at the front. <laughs> and like, if you're staring at the corners, you go, "Oh my god, is that moss actually the moss from that country?" Oh, I bet it is. Is that period appropriate moss? Is it the way that building that building falls? Is that steeple the exact steeple they had back then? Oh my god, so powerful, so incredible. <laughs> yeah, great. It is that. And then in the front, there's just like shouty bear man screaming for two and a half hours and I don't care. Like, I get it. They're men and they're angry and that works well for me in a shorter sequence. This needs to be a tight, short movie of like a raw burst of aggression and it's a slog. It's so long and boring. It is long, I. but again, like it's just like when you're in it, you're in it and like I... And I usually do like when there's there's so many long movies lately. Mm. And thankfully, I think that recently we've gotten more that earn that runtime. Yes, and I, th I think right. I do think this in, this is included in there because to me, I, I you know, it was the same thing where like I kind of felt it, but I also didn't care. Like I was like, I could just keep watching this. Like mm. I was enjoying it to that point where it didn't matter that it was extended in length. Although I do also think that you could probably trim it down. Yeah, totally. But then, like a madman's epic or mad person's epic, realistically, that's weirdly gendered of me, um, is a great thing of this. Like, this film is like, this is too long, but there's too much in it. Like, there is that, the, the, the spiraling yeah. masterpiece is an appealing concept. Um, like, even like the, the, the Dolce Vita is kind of like that, really. Like, the Dolce Vita doesn't need to be three hours long. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But there's so much in it. Oh, it's perfect. So good. It's brilliant. Like, it's, it's perfect because it's imperfect, because it's about grandiosity and too much. Right. I could make. I could pretend my opinion is not my own and I could make a very cogent argument for the excessive runtime of The Northman is thematically core to it because it's a movie about excess. And I could talk about how it being a slog is thematically core to it because it is supposed to be this trudge through empty revenge. I could do that, but I just, I'm like, it, it is not that for me. I can meet it intellectually, yeah. but I can't meet it emotionally. Yeah, I mean, even uh, that's totally... Because no matter how much you can actually justify something and dig mm. into it, like like you said, like when you start writing something, sometimes you can get a different outlook on that. And sometimes yeah. I have had that where I'll start writing something and I write it and it feels way more positive than I actually feel about the movie, you know? And so I get that, you know, sometimes you can feel a certain way, but then you're like, but yeah. in the moment, that's not how I was meeting with it at all. Um, and I think that's just the kind of movie it is where it's going to be that where some people are going to be in step with it and love it. And certainly 
you might just not so be able to connect to any of it. <laughs> it's just a lot of screaming men. Um, I don't know. I feel again. I, I I I go back to this point so many so many many times. I think men have no business making films about masculinity. I feel they're bad at it. Um, I feel all the best films about masculinity are made by women or non-binary people. Genuinely, like this. I don't this, disagree this un- with that at all. It's it's because I feel like masculinity is a thing that men do because it is an act but i think it's a thing that men so unconsciously do and it's not performed on them whereas right other gender identities have masculinity performed in their face all the time it's why claire denis is one of the greatest filmmakers of all time because she so captures the assaulting presence of masculinity botrify is perfect because it's bodies colliding with the air and it realizes that masculine performance is just an act that hits all around it and when men take on masculinity there are notable exceptions obviously um because people understand things but this movie is not that for me. And I get that it is is—it is a movie about masculinity, obviously. And it is not a regressive one. Like, it clearly shows this hyper-masculine toxicity is numbing and bad and crushing. Oh, yeah. And a, and a masculized first for violence. Not saying that no one else has a first for violence, but it's shown here as an extension of masculinity is empty and horrible and draining. But I don't know, like... It goes down to me of like, before I went in, if you said, well, what does violence cause? You'd be like, well, more violence. And then I yeah, saw- Yeah, it doesn't offer anything new to you. Which, of that. And again, like, it, it's one of those things where I, I do understand that because I think it's totally, totally right. Like, I don't think this film necessarily has anything new to say. Mm. I don't think it necessarily has a unique angle or direction in, in terms of what it's trying to say. But also for me- that's okay like sometimes i'm like i just want this sweet movie that's all about all about these vikings and that's fine that it's just screaming and that's fine that it's nothing that i've you know that i haven't heard before it's not fine that it's nothing that i don't understand already like that's okay to me because i was able to get immersed in it and have a great time with it anyway that is one of my favorite genres of movie uh, that I occasionally review go to. My, f- my favorite kinds of movies are just like, I give in, it's a masterpiece, whatever. Like there are films, right. I mean, the two key examples for me are Holy Motors and The Holy Mountain. I think Holy is key apparently, but I'm like, <laughs> man, there are stuff in this movie where I could rationalize and really object to, but you know what? This film has overwhelmed me. <laughs> Absolutely. Too much. I give in, it's the greatest thing ever made. Um, and I, I, can, I can see Northman being transcendent in that way. because I don't feel those films really have anything huge to offer. Um, Holy Motors, you could get it out of it, but I think that's antithetical for what the film actually is. It's clearly not really posturing towards something. It yeah. is just maximalist scope. And Holy Mountain has a clever idea at the end that I think is very, very interesting about what we what we strive for and what we do and what it actually means and that movies are just movies. Yeah. Spoilers for Holy Mountain, I guess, but the ending of Holy Mountain, one of the best endings of a movie. But then a lot of Holy Mountain is just like crapping out and turning into gold. And I'm like, <laughs> that's just there because it's stupid. And yeah. it's, it's, it's great, but I don't get that transcendent quality from Northman that pushed me out to being like, I give in, it's brilliant. I just, I was too removed from it. I yeah. because the beginning's so good. We can we talk about the beginning? The beginning is so good. The beginning good. is absolutely insane in the best way. It's definitely, mm. definitely like, I believe we mentioned it earlier, but it is like the biggest encapsulation of like, this is what yeah. you were, what, what some people were probably expecting, like the whole thing to yes. be in terms of Robert Eggers making a $90 million blockbuster where yeah, yeah. 
Willem Dafoe puts a weird mask on and you know tells Ethan Hawke and this kid to start and acting like, like dogs and drink, like, drinking out of bowls. The, and... <laughs> opening act of the Northman is like the ending act of Ken Russell's Altered States, and like that. Even Altered <laughs> what a States comparison. builds up to being Altered States. Altered right. States doesn't just go, "Yo, I'm Altered States," but Altered States is is Altered States. This movie opens not quite to that extent, but similarly, in a way, I was just like. Yes, even Hawk is so good. Like he is so just oh, he's like fantastic. strange, weird king. Willem Dafoe is incredible. Little boy, he's fine. I don't really care. He's a little boy, absolutely fine at it. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone else they're kind of doing their thing. Fake uncle from from Hamlet arrives, and it's like being re- really weird about it. He's pretty good at being weird about it as well. That scene is brilliant, and then bam, chapter jump. Movie's boring. <laughs> Although it's I not boring, just also, apparently because. Oh yeah, the, the, the next scene oh, is the, yeah, you're, the you're raid. Right. Scene. You're like, man, this movie books. I'm like, okay, I feel like we already missed out. I was like, what? Spoiling podcast. So, the moment. So, all right, let's let's have the Hamlet conversation. So, this is based on the same legend that Hamlet is based on, and therefore by proxy, the Lion King is based on, and therefore by proxy, the Bad Sleep Well is based on, um, and more and more and more and more and more. Um, arguably, the play within Hamlet. There you go. That's another like method layer for you. People forget there is a play within Hamlet that is Hamlet. So layers of Hamlet. Hamlet all the way Very down. Very weird conversation. Um, there you go. And we'll talk about Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead later. Hamlets within Hamlets within Hamlets. Um, we will get to that. Oh, maybe the best play. Um, I've lost whatever I was talking about. <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, maybe oh, the yeah. familiarity so, of the story. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. So it's, it's based on the, the legend of Amlet or Amleth, I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I don't speak Norse, nor do I understand it. Old Norse, new Norse, I'm crazy about it. <laughs> know all of that. Yaelska die. That means I love you in Norwegian. Yeah, I've been to wow, Norway. You know? um, there you go. You thought I couldn't. I could. <laughs> um, man on a plane taught me that on the way back from Norway. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Fun fact. The things you learn on the plane. Yeah, exactly. Snakes, <laughs> people. Um, so, the I know what's going on with hamlet and i don't serve hamlet even to a point where emma turned to me and went that guy's scar and i'm like yeah that guy is scar. that guy's scar <laughs> you definitely do think that at certain points yeah well because because it is like yeah I was like, oh that character's scar there you go it's the lion king and as soon as it was revealed that um even hawk was the king i was like no <laughs> right you want to see way more of him <laughs> Because I'm like, oh, you're going to die in like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I don't want to be annoyed by that. Because like, that's not annoying in Hamlet. Right. Also, the king, ret- like, there's, there's ghost stuff in Hamlet. There's no ghost yeah, stuff. Yeah, I do feel, that's true. And I feel like it's so steeped in like that mythology and the, the mysticalism of it. Like, it, there's no reason really that it couldn't have done that. There's many sequences that do kind of mm. go into that realm. Even the so, Lion King uh, does the ghost stuff, kind of. <laughs> More Ethan Hawke is all I'm asking. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. At the beginning of the movie, introducing it, please. And at the end of the movie, oh my God, imagine if it opened with Ethan Hawke being like, so, uh, it's a new movie from uh, David, no, Robert Eggers. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, I'm sure that's what he would do. Yeah, so uh, I read the script and uh, I had no idea. But I uh, want to get this movie made. So there you go. And at the end, he goes, woof. Well, uh, that was Here's slug, what I think this it? movie was about. <laughs> that was a slug. Here's what it's about. Well, very obviously, violence is bad. But also, didn't we enjoy watching it? Think about that on the way home. Like, thank you, Ethan Hawke. So yeah, this falls into the Ethan Hawke verse of could be explained at the beginning and end and tragically isn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's 
to be very reductive to quote my alter ego zero zebra on God. letterboxd um but i do agree with him because he's me. Um, <laughs> i wonder um, why <laughs> obviously hamlet and i i try to resist canonical statements and I don't just like Shakespeare because it's Shakespeare. There's a lot of Shakespeare that I really dislike. I think The Tempest, it's awful. I really don't, uh, Merchant of Venice, bad. But Sunlight's Dream, not a fan at all. But Hamlet is one of the great works of literature, one of the greatest works of literature. So maybe it is an unfair comparison. But when, 400 years ago, the adaptation is so much more interesting, so much wittier, like so much cleverer, has better characters, more personality, but still keeps the core, this is 2022. Like, why is this boring? Why isn't this like, like The Witch is not a funny film, but there's some playfulness to it. The Lighthouse is a funny film. Oh, absolutely. Like, not, it's not a comedy, but it's a very funny film. This is just humorless. Apart from that first 20 minutes, I was like, yes, Eggers loving this. Like, I don't know. Like, there's a spark in it that's just yeah. not. Hamlet's funny. Hamlet's clever. Hamlet's witty. Hamlet like does things and has layers of it itself and finds digressions. This is like no one in the story. It, it reminds me that this guy loves research and he's like, you know what? I'm doing the legend. I'm doing it properly. These legends were meant. This like this is oral tradition stuff. Surely this is stories that grow. Legends are supposed to be reinterpreted. You don't go back and just do it straight. That's boring. It's interesting you say that because I feel like, again, like it's something that you could probably like for you specifically. Like you could argue why it works but obviously functionally when the movie then just remo removes all the humor like it ends up not being functional but like I think that's partially or at least in all likelihood is the intent there is like that opening scene mm. has like the levity and the fun and the emotion and the like yeah. that that scene is capped with you are shedding your last tear you are now yeah. just like Which this great. emotionless machine and then everything is ripped away from him. Now all he cares about is this one single thing. And so like, for the purposes of the film and the narrative, like I can understand why then you can't have that for the rest of the film because that is no longer part of who he is as a character and part of his journey. But also functionally, I can understand why you would watch the movie and go, where's the people acting like dogs and burping and farting? What happened to that? <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I agree. But I feel like the balance is, I feel like you can, like, you're right, but that's 15 minutes and there are Right, exactly. Like, that's why that. I'm saying, like, yeah, it makes sense, but also I totally understand why you would watch it and not be like, I get it, because if you're not in tune with the movie and a vast majority of it is not that, then what are you going to do with that? I want the burps and the farts. I agree. <laughs> it's like, I had a conversation with my, my, with my very, very good friend, Albert, um, who I'm seeing tomorrow, um, about um, Dogville the Lars von Trier movie. Um, and obviously Lars von Trier, I just hate on principle, but I've seen a lot of his movies and I also dislike Dogville because I don't think it's very good. And one of the reasons I dislike it is because it's just, again, humorless. It's just this like trudge of like tragedy and stuff. And I just don't think that's life. I don't think that if you want to, like all the best films that are sad and dark find like a bit of wit and often the wit is in the darkness. And if you're not being right. playful, if you're not getting gallows humor in there, I don't think that's humanity. I don't think that's how things work. Um, and I think that's actually for, to make a weird comparison, in a film like um, Endgame, I feel like Endgame with its like like fake pomposity at the beginning of everybody like, man, we really went through some stuff. I'm like, there'd be a much more nuanced, much right. more humorous reaction to this stuff of like, that's where, and I just feel that these films in presenting were stripped of things as darkness. You can show that by being funny and use that as a foil. And I wish that it did, basically, I think is my point. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, like I can justify its existence in the film, but I also don't necessarily disagree. Like I think that it totally yeah, could be more humorous. Like we know that <laughs> we know that that Eggers is capable of that levity and stuff, um, but not to keep to or just ourselves for too long. Yes. Um, sounds mm. like this is going to be a long episode, which I have absolutely no problem with. I'm glad it's a long we, movie. Have, <laughs> we have all so much to talk about. Um, but our listener mail segment, bringing it back. Yeah, listener mail, listener um, mail. This would be a better jingle if it was from Jack. But it's not, <laughs> it's from me. Listener mail. I Also, that's indebted to the flop house that are making up letter songs on the go. Just, you know. That was great. Perfect intro. I loved it. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you. We actually ended up with quite a lot of emails. I might have to do a little bit of trimming here because we have a couple for future episodes, but ended up with a lot to talk about which is yeah, fantastic people, people want to talk about this movie um and i get it um okay so our first email here from murph hello spoilers hey, haven't, <laughs> haven't seen northman yet but its notion of being an adaptation of the original story of hamlet has me intrigued it makes me yearn for an adaptation of the original welsh legend of king arthur before it was anglicized and had a bunch of christian morality added to it for reference lancelot is not in the original tale there is also a fight with a giant talking cat and a castle at a sea made of glass. I think, a visionary, I think a visionary enough filmmaker could get some mileage out of it. So in that same vein of thought, are there any ye old legends that you'd want adapted in a similar method to Egger's approach to Northman or last year's Green Knight? Aside from the aforementioned Welsh Arthur, yeah. I've always been fascinated by the tale of St. Brendan's voyage and think something could be done there. Um, that's a really good question. Um, that's a great question. I'm I, I am not as versed in myth and stuff as I could be. Um, interestingly, obviously, um, with wider parallels, obviously very, very old, but recently on the Twin Geeks podcast, we covered um, Jean Cocteau's Orpheus. So like the take on like um, the story of Orpheus, you know, it's a Greek myth, I think is always, always very like fertile. Um, there's a great Ali Smith book that, that deals with, um, there was a, a literary um, push. There's one recently actually, um, where they got loads of writers to rewrite versions of Shakespeare stories. Um, and there is a Macbeth by Joe Nesbo. Joe Nesbo is the guy that wrote Headhunters, the book. And also, sorry, The Snowman, the book, which I'm sure is better <laughs> okay. than the movie. <laughs> I'm um, sure it is. Joe Nesbo, I presume it is. Um, so he wrote a version of Macbeth. Um, I read um, Margaret Atwood's um, Hagsey, which is a version of Tempest, which made me like think I liked The Tempest. That's how good it is. Um, but anyway, digression. So like, that's interesting. Um, but yeah, Ali Smith did, I forget which, um, it was from, I want to say, it's an Ovid thing. I forget what it was, but it's really, really good. Um, Boy Meets Girl. Um, I would like to, um, I like Noah more than most people do. I really think Noah's very good. I would like to see more like badass biblical adaptations of taking Old Testament stuff and literalizing it how bizarre and like twisted and strange that's what i want i would like to see go back to and also like take like the root legends because obviously these these stories exist in multiple religious texts so take these earth stories and replicate them that's what i would like what about you yeah that's i mean it is a great question i think and just to say how much i love the green knight which is mm, very good absolutely stunning um I, as well as you, I'm not super versed in like that old, uh, a lot of that old literature. Um, but I do That's think, old, man. just <laughs> just in general, like I always love to see not straightforward adaptations of like Greek myth and legend. Like I think that stuff is so ripe for 
places to go and things to do and like I love when a director can take that and really make an interesting vision like I mean obviously the best example being the Coen brothers oh brother where art thou um yes. which is just yes. the perfect yeah, way to take right. something like that and modernize it and make it completely mm. different but it's still like you can still see what it's doing um or even like Robert Eggers the lighthouse is very steeped in Greek legend yeah. as well um I would just love to see to see more of that I think that stuff always fascinates me when it's not just here is literalized a literal adaptation of Greek myth legend, but let's turn it into something different. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to see more of that. Great question. Um, do you want me to to go for the ones that I've got now? Oh, go for it. Yeah. You I'll throw, here is one from Ruben, um, friend of the show. They're all friends of the show, but you know, specifically, you know, Murph. He has his other podcast, you know, which is very good. Listen to that. But and if you don't feel um, like you're a friend of the show yet, then send us an email. Anyone that sends yeah, an email is, is a friend, is a friend of, the of the show. Exactly. Even if it's insulting. <laughs> like, <laughs> many of my friends insult me. There are many reasons too. Um, so um, I'm condensing here because Ruben sent me loads of really good stuff. Um, but also he was just like, just got back from a, a late shift at work. So he's like, bam, 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 here's some ideas. Um, so um, the Hamlet conversation, which we will have, we'll talk about that later. So the things about how does it compare to Hamlet? I think you've got a thing ready for that later. I do. Other people have, have written in with that. Um, but um, this is a question about the revenge tale. Um, here's the question. And you know what I think. I know what okay. you think. Is it enough for a movie to retread this area or should we be expecting heavy subversions of the genre at this point? Sub-question, what are some great modern revenge films that get right what this movie does not? Obviously, it's implicit there that the movie is not very good um, or not great, which Ruben and I agree on. Um, you do not, so we'll ignore that bit at the end for you. So, <laughs> revenge, do we need to do something different? Is it enough to just be like, bam, revenge anymore? I don't think, I mean, I don't know if just in theory i don't think that i like the idea that like everything should should have to do something subversive like obviously okay. i love subversive cinema and that's great when someone is able to do that but i don't think there's anything wrong if someone just says this is what i want to do and this is what it's going to be maybe we all, all have seen it and certainly we have but yeah you know i think that there's still something to be said for just constructing something solid around that that base that everybody can recognize that's a very, a very, very good, very good answer. I mean, obviously, I do slightly disagree. Um, as I'll go to my little like aside here, but there is a genre of film. There's a very, very micro genre of films that I just don't like as much as other people. Um, and one of the key parts of that canon, though, I have like quite a positive review on it for Letterboxd because I had to be like, it is great. Is um, the Samurai, um, the Jean-Paul Melville movie, which okay. is by all accounts a fantastic film. But I mean, I do like Drive a lot, actually, but Drive feels like the modern version of this. I just think that Drive is a little bit more detached from its protagonist. But there are these films which are these cold, emotionless studies of cold, emotionless people in a kind of like in a fetishized way. And even they're critiquing it, it's still fetishized. Okay. I think The Northman is fetishizing masculinity, even when it's critiquing it, because it is in love with the aesthetic of it. And I agree, yes, it's a cold, distanced portrayal of a cold, distanced man. Um, there's a, a comment that I'll get to in a bit um, from someone, we'll get to that, where they allude to this being like a bear man shown to be like, bear as in the animal, shown to be like, right. like, like a bear. And I agree with that. But I don't like that. And there is a, a, a slight moral disjunct for me there. If I feel like there is still a degree of platforming, there's still a degree of certain people owning the stories that they maybe should not. Right. 
And the film is too in line with those things. I feel American Psycho is a great example of a film being slightly out of step with its protagonist in a way that shows you how they really are. And I feel that's what I want it to be. Um, Not literally that, but I feel that these films, like The Samurai is is cool and precise, and it's such a great way of the form matching the character, but it ends up being the character too much. And I think Northman is overblown and big and large in a way that matches his character, but it does it too much. Um, and I think because there is a, a moral discomfort in some of his revenge tales, that I think they do wallow a bit too much in the actuality of it. I think The Revenant is a pile of shit. Um, and I think <laughs> this movie is too close to The Revenant. I think it generally is The Revenant meets 300 is what this movie is. And it would not want to be that. Um, and those movies I don't like. So yeah, I, I totally think that if you're doing revenge, because I think it's overdone and because there are moral pitfalls, you need to do something different. Also, I think more than you, a thing that I just love to the fault is new things. Obviously, new things. I I am I don't oh, have yeah. the tolerance totally for the right. other that you do. I should do. It's well, <laughs> maybe a failing, but I'm like, no, give me new. All my I, I think films, I'll say it's different. Right. I mean, I think I'm like at a point where I'm kind of in between that. Like maybe in several years from now, I would mm. come back to something like this and be like, I'm so tired of seeing things that I've seen before, and I would totally disagree with myself because I think that in many other places I am there where like I'm tired of stuff that just feels the same and isn't offering anything new but at the same time there are points like this where I'm like I've seen all this before but it's really well done and I'm enjoying it and it's you know it's hitting that part of my brain that's just like this is my taste and I'm enjoying it Um, so what are great modern revenge films that get this right or for you that you think also do revenge well Ooh, I'm interested if you have any answers, mostly because off the top yeah. of my head, I <laughs> am not coming up with anything, but I'd love to hear what you've got. I mean, also, so obviously my first thought is the film Revenge, um, because there's a film called Revenge. I think Revenge is actually very, very good. Um, but for me, it's about this later, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. Oh, okay. I have not seen yet. Um, I like Jennifer Kent, but I have not, haven't, haven't gotten to that yet. I'll mention it again later um, for reasons that will become apparent. But Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale is Jennifer Kent's best movie. I don't care what everyone else says. Babadook rules. The Nightingale is amazing and was my second favorite movie of the year it came out. Oh, wow. That year being High the year that The Lighthouse came out. Um, okay. Gotcha. My favorite movie being Bait, um, the Mark ah. Jenkins movie. Um, and number three being Parasite, I believe. Um, but yeah, The Nightingale is is a revenge tale and a very brutal a very perceptive film about colonialism um and a specific part of history that was made to be british right that does not get taught over here or talked about and the movie is confronting as hell because i believe that revenge movies must be confronted to wider things rather than just revenge um there you go that's my my revenge hot takes very briefly so i guess like straw dogs apparently i recommend a movie <laughs> that is deeply deeply flawed uh yeah, definitely. It's hard to, you know, like when you're in the in the moment of something and then suddenly all of your knowledge, you know, leaves your brain. Um, and mm. I'm struggling to, to come up with a lot of great revenge movies. Um, Old Boy is very good. Old Boy. There you go. That's a phenomenal movie. Um, absolutely. Um, Trilogy. One that's, that's, that's true. All of those movies are great. Mm. Um, love all of those. I'm especially a fan of Lady Vengeance, which I know not everybody loves as much. But hey, love Lady Vengeance. Love it. I'm glad you're on my side there. Um, but one that I that I that came to mind for some reason um, that I'm actually not sure if you've seen or not is um, mm. I want to make sure I get the title right. I believe it's Dead Man's Shoes. No, not seen. Is that the Jarvis um, movie? Off the top of my head, I can't remember the director. It's this Patty Considine is the uh, the lead. That's but not what I'm thinking of. It might be something different. Um, and maybe I'm saying the the wrong title. Let me double check here. 
I'm thinking of Dead Man, which I think is a. Oh uh, yeah, Dead Man's Shoes, directed by Shane Meadows. Oh, oh, um, Shane Meadows, interesting. Okay, just no, I've not seen this. Brilliant and just like hard to watch, like not in like a this is disturbing, just like it's so like deeply tragic, you know, like it really takes that revenge and like makes it feel mm. like so grim I and like, love this it's I, I think you would like it's a mm. genuinely like a difficult watch because of the way that it treats it but it's like in a good way like the way that revenge yeah. should be treated in that way where it's like oh this is just this everything about this is just horrifying and terrible um, but definitely recommend dead man's shoes yeah. if you uh, want to be depressed for an afternoon yeah yeah i mean we, we could keep talking for too long here is the problem like i mean ruben feel free to i will hit you up with loads more like revenge right <laughs> things you haven't seen because i have seen unsurprisingly a lot of a lot of revenge movies um and many of them are very, very good. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. There you go. That's also great. <laughs> um, oh, that's a great movie. Um, all right. I'm going to throw a question at you. Okay, go for it. Um, this is, let me get up. I've got them in a list here. Blah, 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 blah. Um, this is links to. So this is from Casual Movie Buff um, from Letterboxd. Um, I feel rather conflicted on how narrow-minded the narrative is. I like that phrasing there. I like it for the fact we're deep into the psyche of our angry bear man, but it also makes everything else feel hollow without weight, whether it be the chapters or the setting, it feels rather insignificant at times, but I still admire the craft and skill presented here. I more include this here as like a topic to our conversation because right. I feel that, that that echoes a lot of the thoughts it we've does. been doing around, and I think it encapsulates it quite well. Um, obviously, it's not your, your thoughts, but I think I mean, it, it, I think one of the things we said. I think it is and it isn't. And again, I feel like it always comes back to like whether you are in step with the movie or not, because I, I do feel that we're like, that is sort of the drive of it is like, you are just, you are with him and you are, it, it is building like his psyche, just like fracturing yeah. and bending like at everything that's happening around him. So like, I can understand the purpose of that sort of narrow mindedness, but for me, it didn't make everything around it feel hollow like I felt yeah. like this is what's happening and he's lost and nothing really makes sense and it's just like everything's kind of happening to him and you know there's all these like twists and things that are happening that are just like kind of slowly tearing him apart as far as like both body and mind but and that just is kind of where it goes like that's where mm -hmm. I was in step with it but if you're not in step with it then yeah if you're not with that character then it would just feel probably hollow and sort of misguided in a way i had a bit of a of a, of a brainwave there actually, okay because i think you you've you've learned to realize what actually i'm out of step with um which is i think i just don't the character decay to work for me and this is why hamlet works of i think i've got to be interested in the character for their decay to be worthwhile which sounds okay. cruel <laughs> no that mean that makes sense um but because I mean, there was a really interesting critique of the film The Father, actually, from from Mark Kermode, British film critic, who's about Relic, which I do like Relic. Um, Relic being a better film about Alzheimer's for him because he felt um, the father um, falls into that trope that dementia cinema falls into of they feel the needs to present dementia through juxtaposition of someone's got to be great for it to be important their mind is lost okay whereas that's yeah. not really true dementia is ostensibly horrible and it's not just because someone was a, right. a great mind the loss of a mind is a horrible thing and relic touched on that and i agree with him the father does not i like the father more than, than he did um but i think in a character arc sense i've got to be invested in the character for me to find their decay worthwhile. So I feel if Skarsgård gave me a, a person that, like, like okay. Macbeth, 
the play of Macbeth. Like the decay of Macbeth is fascinating to me because you get so much access to the interiority yeah. of that character and his decay is articulate. The decay in Hamlet is interesting also because it's ambiguous um, because you see what is going on. I don't get that here and that doesn't work yeah. for me. Yeah, I mean, that's that totally makes sense to me why you would, why that would disconnect for you. Um, and I mean, I do agree. I don't think that he's, it feels, <laughs> I always feel bad because I feel like I'm, you know, saying negative things about this movie that, realistically loved. i loved a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah yeah i mean i don't think that he's he's not given a ton of like specific characterization and so again like yeah if that's not working for you then that's not going to it's gonna it's never going to start working at any point because if you want that character to be presented with more depth and as a more fleshed out character like that's not what the movie is trying to do obviously um so it's just like if if you are again in step with the movie and you can sort of just visualize the the decay and i think the the important thing is like i think there's a physicality to the performance mm. that lends itself yes. more to that like like we talked about earlier like he's not exactly an exceptional actor no, in that not, sense but not like really the brightest lighting Godzilla versus Kong, <laughs> um but the physicality of it i think sells yeah. it well enough to me um that i that i see and can and watch that decay happening as everything's going on around him I'm laughing because I'm such a hypocrite of like, there's a movie, <laughs> there's a movie called Robocop, um, which as you know, is one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, like really, really favorite. And that's a movie in which a character loses all their humanity and becomes a robot. And that's the critique, but becomes more interesting. <laughs> like this person oh, yeah. is a far more interesting character and gains more personality <laughs> as a robot than earlier in the movie. And like, it's so bungles that. And that is such a clear critique of Robocop of the guy earlier doesn't matter at all robocop is cool as hell um but yeah but then that's why you're right it's because robocop wins me over as a film i go right. with the movie so therefore it works for me whereas the northman is not there you go yeah um all right so i've got just a quick comment here from friend of the show obi-wan jabroni um gonna spend the next six weeks sculpting my mashed potatoes to look like scars guards traps like dreyfus and <laughs> close encounters <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which is a fantastic <laughs> message. That's, that's an amazing reference. Oh god, yeah, Close Encounters, the movie that like considers the fact that maybe you should leave your family behind <laughs> and go look for aliens. That's such an of its time Spielberg movie where like I think Spielberg has said that he would not make that kind of movie there. Um, I speak on the Moton cast, um, which you listen to about um the Alfred Hitchcock movie Sabotage. I don't know why because I just mention around a movie sometimes. I guess um where I think it's Sabotage. Um, I never got it wrong in the podcast, but it's one of his early British movies and there's a key scene in it and Hitchcock talks about the difference between like suspense and action I forget what it is if it's suspense something else um and like suspense is the bomb about to be going off right and the problem is when the bomb goes off that's not suspense um and he uses this one as an example of a, a film that he regrets this bit because spoilers for this random Hitchcock movie a boy takes this bomb on a bus not knowing it's a bomb um it's in a he takes a package by mistake that should be a bomb for someone else takes a bus and the suspense is oh my god this kid's gonna die this kid's gonna die this kid's gonna right. die and Hitchcock goes anyone can show a kid die that's not important yeah <laughs> suspense, <laughs> absolutely unfortunately Hitchcock kills the kid for me best in the movie absolutely <laughs> that kid just dies loved it so much um Hitchcock is right Hitchcock hates the movie and I love it for those reasons uh, <laughs> so I do I do like disagreeing with being like yeah you're right however that's why it's good <laughs> which is actually that's interesting because i think that leads very well into our next email from mm. our dear friend pluribus 
Hey, says, one of the best, one of the best to ever do it. Yes. Um, it says director Robert Eggers was recently quoted in The Guardian saying he can't stand to watch Brownie his feature out. debut, The Witch, today, despite the great performances, saying he thought he was not skilled enough as a filmmaker to get what was in his brain on the screen. What are your thoughts on this whole disowning what you now see as your juvenilia thing? Do you think the Northman's destined for a similar reputation down the line? Is the I mean, first question. I mean, There's a second from, one as well. From from him, yeah, obviously. I mean, obviously he will do that. I mean, but we see, we see that sometime again because I want to. My the rest of my brain goes like, oh, get over yourself. Um, but then, like the realistic part is first of all, press interviews are stupid. Um, they're interesting. <laughs> right. but, like if someone's going through stuff. They're just like, and podcasts, I mean, yes, you can tell from this like podcast, like having to have opinions on the spot sometimes, you over-assert and you say some things and you occasionally just like forge random opinions. Um, that may not even be true. So I'm not surprised that after that would say a thing like that. But then actually, I want to be like, no, he's wrong, but I don't like looking at things that I've done. <laughs> like, so, right, that's like, exactly, I don't that's exactly my thought. Like I think I that's like just time. At the time, like there's a time, I'm right. like really proud of it. And I go back and I'm like, no, no, because you only have focused on the things that could be different. Um, right. You know, focus on what's that works because you know that there were five retakes for every take. You know what you could have filmed. You know how it worked out. You know there was circumstance there. So when you have that extra textual knowledge, of course you're like, that's not a movie. And once it's made, of course you can be like, would have done it differently? Could have done it differently. At the time, could you? Perhaps not. It's not as simple as that. Yeah, I think I really think the same is is generally true for any creative endeavor. Like anyone who is working on that kind of thing, like you want to only view yourself as improving over time. Like even yeah. though, like for instance, like your your statement is that his movies have gotten worse. Like you like The Witch the most. Yeah, but, but like anyone, it's <laughs> my it's my conclusion from that. Maybe it's better without him. He's nobody nobody wants to view their own work that way. Like you don't yeah. want to think of yourself as getting worse over time. So you're obviously going to look back at something that is now seven years old or something like that. And mm -hmm. it's been cemented for so long. And all you can look at, especially I'm sure as, you know, someone who has now been given $90 million to make a huge mm -hmm. movie and thinking, okay, well, for this movie, I only had $10 million. Like, what if I had more money and I could make something bigger and I had a different vision that I was, you know, I was restricted on. It's so easy to look back and say, you know, I've learned so much since then that I would do differently so I don't want yeah. to watch this that I've made that feels like this thing that exists to me in the past where like for people looking in from the outside, like we don't think of it as something that was made in the past by someone that was less talented. Mm -hmm. Like we just see it as this is a masterpiece of folk horror. Um, so yeah, I think that's true for, for pretty much everyone. I mean, I certainly anytime I see like someone likes an, a review of mine from a couple of years ago and I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever written. That's often me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know if it's the Northman will, I doubt that it will be destined for a similar thing down the line. Like, I think that as you build on things, like you start to see that less, like it's, it's interesting. Like I'd be interested to know what you think about that, but I don't necessarily yeah. think that. Um, let's make a bet that won't be clear for another five years. But I <laughs> I'm think sure this movie we'll is, this. I think this movie is gonna be really forgotten. I think this movie is a blip and no one will care. I think this is like such a big deal already. I already feel that it's I mean, I'm a week divorced with right. release and well, I mean, I guess like yeah, I guess I mean I guess that's more like if you're looking at it from the wider cultural sense or if you're looking at yeah. it from Egger's personal sense, 
I do think that probably culturally, this is not going to have nearly the same impact as his other movies, which is unfortunate mm. because they did give him a huge budget for this movie. And the fact that it's not probably not going to reach the same status that those movies did is unfortunate. Um, but I would definitely, I think probably for him personally, I think just the nature of being working in that creative space, like you would view things more highly as you, as you go along. But don't you feel it's going to be like a like how David Lynch talks about Dune? If once there is studio involvement as well, that complicates the um, relationships. It's not That's just true. like yeah. he had like full full say over the witch, and he's just like, well, therefore I do that. But now he's like, not only do not like my decisions, some were forced, some of them weren't my decisions. So I can imagine a world. And he was like, actually, looking back, I had to make it this way. I didn't realize that at the time. Right. Obviously, often you don't realize at the time that you are scum to things. But yeah, but no, I, I totally sympathize with the overall point. I think to get back to the point about your feel about previous stuff, the only things that I am unequivocally proud of are the things I've done with other people. Um, and I'm like, I can feel very, very proud of that because like that, that's a collaboration act. I feel that feels quite different to me. So there are things, the things I've done with yourself and with like Jack Danbridge, right. and I'm like, this stuff I feel really proud of. That's often because like, that other person is great and i feel that there's a, <laughs> there's a self-deprecating element in people yeah. where it's much easier to praise another person um definitely you know that you know that you could be better but because right. you like the people you work with you're like i know they're brilliant so therefore that's really really good so that'd be my addendum to that totally agree so second question from plurry is speaking of performances in the witch what is your favorite or least favorite anya taylor joy performances Bam. Um, her worst, obviously, is The New Mutants, a terrible movie. In which she <laughs> exactly what I wrote down. Yep. Terrible movie. Um, it's the only movie she's been bad in, I think, though. I, I would agree. Like, um, it's I a movie that I, I probably would never have watched, but I was like, I like her enough that I guess I'll mm. check this out. Like, and Good it's cast. Just, just to watch an X-Men movie, because, you know, you mm. like the X-Men enough to want to watch a movie. I do. And nope and it was just terrible and i was like Awful. i was so surprised to, to be watching it and be like oh her performance is just terrible Very like bad. what is the direction is important here? turns out direction yeah, matters. absolutely <laughs> direction and screenplay which as cineasts who though i would publicly decry auteur theory we do buy into it actually psychologically we all do because we made to it's good to know that directors matter <laughs> <laughs> certainly to a, to at least some degree i want to hear your best anti-joy because i bet it's different to mine i bet it's different I'm definitely interested to hear what you say. I mean, I, I will say, regardless of the witch, whatever, which I would say is probably her best performance. Which, but which I would say, <laughs> but ignoring that, I would probably say my favorite would be Thoroughbreds, which I think is a phenomenal. It's mm, a good movie. You forgot about yes. that. It's great. Oh, it's a really good movie. Um, for me, it is Emma. Oh yeah, you are a you are a huge fan of Emma. That movie is brilliant, and I it's do like so that movie quite a lot because of her. She is phenomenal. In she's it. great. Like she like the whole movie revolves around the character and she is so good at making a movie yeah. revolve around her and it's such a difficult character um obviously emma is no clueless because clueless is one of the great movies i've made um clueless is amazing love clueless, um, love clueless so much um <laughs> because emma on page the character from the book emma um is such could be such an unlikable character it's so like outwardly horrible to right people, <laughs> but she doesn't water that down but just has so much presence and so much like wit and intelligence, which it so often goes down to for me of being like, yeah, she owns it. Of I love watching right. her be mean, and I do care about the character, and I do see where I mean, I'm unsurprised people. I can be mean, <laughs> I can be mean for the sake of humor, and I feel bad about it afterwards. And I I relate to that. I'm like, ah, it it expresses to a mean place. 
it's not coming from a mean place, which doesn't make it any better, but I see that <laughs> and it rules. It's such a good example of like the performance, like really meeting like what the movie wants. Mm. It's like the, the established, like the, the core of that movie and like the way it's constructed and like everything about it, like she meets that so perfectly. And like, it's just so great when you watch something like that and yeah. those things meet up so perfectly, like this is exactly what this movie needs. And both of them are elevated because of each other. It's just so great. It is a very good performance. You should have won all of the awards for that movie. That movie, is, <laughs> that movie is excellent. And she is she is a five-star performance in a four-star movie. Um, I think the uh, unfortunate thing about Emma is that came out, I believe, in March 2020, which was about the worst time possible ah, for a movie to release. Yes, no, of course it did, because it came a bit earlier here, I think, because we watched it at the cinema. And then my partner, also called Emma, um, um, she was very, very sick with COVID at the beginning, has been sick for a long time after that um but one of the things she did to make herself feel better was she spent that like ridiculous amount of money which because you could pay like oh, 20 like quid the, to watch it and we'd already seen it she was like you know what oh, okay. i'm watching emma again i'm like you know what you do that that yeah. movie was great so it was a, a good comfort film because it rules so much yeah i think it was almost the last thing i saw in theaters before everything shut down and then unfortunately was back I, around <laughs> unfortunately i made the decision to see vin diesel's bloodshot <laughs> and that I mean, most up... <laughs> people's was sonic to be fair that's, that's true <laughs> um yeah don't and recommend bloodshot lady on fire which was a great oh, that's last a, one to see a great one and mine was baccarat which again is a great also one very good um question from calvin um, hey what, i know him what recent movie are y'all furthest apart on is the first part of this question the batman <laughs> <laughs> that's not i think that's actually not i mean it's it's a what is that you have it at two and i have it at four so there's a, uh, yeah, there's a spread there, um, but there's okay. I think there's there's wider. It depends on how recent he considers recent, really. Um, yeah, I would okay. say feel free to edit out me scrolling through movies here. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Um, I did I did do I, I should have offered this to you in advance. I did do a yeah, no, that's fine. This. I'm trying to find things that I think. I think tan. I was going to say that is what is one I had written written down. Um, probably our biggest disagreement of late. Um, yeah. I hate Tan. I really hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's fantastic. I, I can't say I, I, I do understand the, the criticisms, but um, one of those that, again, some people are in tune with it and in love with it, yeah. and some people just find it objectionable. Yeah, and, and and I get that. I mean, on the stacks, which I'll plug in at the end, I do give my people have mocked me for this, but I I I am being honest. My because people have said that I forgot to nominate it for most disappointing. That movie did not disappoint me. It's not a disappointing film because it's still bold, original, and fascinating filmmaking. Okay. I think it does all those things in the wrong direction. I still love that it exists. That's totally know, fair. I'm not being actively harmed by it, so therefore right. I don't think it's fair for me to say it's not actively harmful. Um, but. I think it's irresponsible. It doesn't feel pernicious to me. I think that's because I like the filmmaker. Um, so I wasn't just like, whereas I feel that French Dispatch is, is careless and pointless and Soho similarly, um, which I do think is disappointing. Whereas Tan, a movie I d dislike as much of those films. Right. It's still bold and interesting and fresh and it's something, totally new. It's something new. Yeah. Um, but I hate it. <laughs> totally. Totally understand that. Um as far as I didn't know the range specifically of recent, but I did go back a few years to also honorable mention of Suspiria. That movie sucks. I hate that movie. <laughs> oh um, which I think is sort of well known for being more divisive as far as 
You wouldn't think from the circles that we go in, from the circles That's that true. we're in, I look like crazy outlier. <laughs> I am not that far away from like a critical, like the critical consensus was hugely split on that yeah. movie. I love Suspiria so much. That movie is incredible. The 1977 film, obviously. Um, I love them And oh, I just, <laughs> I actually, I remember going to see it, a really good friend and ex-colleague of, my, of mine, um, Laura, um, I went to go see Suspiria the same day that she went to go see her silly Harry Potter movie. Um, and I was like, huh, I'm going to see the best witch movie. You enjoy your witch's movie. <laughs> witch's movie. And I hadn't seen Grin- Grindelwald or Dumbledore, whichever it was yet. And ultimately that was a worse film. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I met her for a drink afterwards um, at the Manchester markets. And I was like, you know what? Kind of wish I saw your movie. My movie, because <laughs> been like that. Just, I don't know. I, Guadagnino, I don't like as a filmmaker based on the two films I've seen of his. Um, I'd be interested I, to hear your thoughts on his other movies that you haven't seen. I've seen, I think, maybe all of his features. I'm not sure, but I, I Am Love and love, The Bigger Splash are both fantastic. Yeah, I, those are the two that I think I'd like to <laughs> I haven't seen. But I don't know. He, he does, he, like, this is my horror snob talking, and I know there are bigger horror snobs than me, namely Matt, who knows so much more about horror than I do and more about film than I do, who loves Suspiria. I didn't realize how much he loved it until <laughs> quite recently. It's like, like one of his like, top five movies. Um, but for me, it's Guadagnino has no interest in horror as a genre and makes a stupid drama <laughs> a stupid like weird like post-holocaust guilt drama and occasionally puts horror scenes in it but he doesn't convey any of that guilt or any of those themes through horror he's like yeah there's the gore scene whatever he has no interest in speaking through horror as a genre he wants to make an elevated operatic drama that occasionally has things and it just feels so dismissive to the audience i know bigger horror fans than me disagree but i think spirit is just awful <laughs> so and i would say the opposite of what everything that steven said um not to spend too long on this podcast talking about 2018 suspiria but there is your <laughs> there's a couple examples for you calvin of yeah maybe me. i'll watch it again and love it but i saw it at the cinema and i was so angry of like i had that feeling that i had in french dispatch of like half an hour because i was so excited for it right um and i love the set the soundtrack's amazing and half half an hour and i was like oh my god I'm bored. And then I was like, oh my God, no, I'm not bored. I, I hate this. Like, do I? <laughs> right. Do you ever have that when you catch stuff being like, oh my God, I don't, I do not. Oh like yeah. This movie. I've definitely yeah. had that before. Yeah. Just like oh, watching no. it and you're like, oh, this is the worst. I don't like yeah. this at all. Uh, not like, an experience okay. I had with that movie, but. <laughs> you know that Simpsons bit where the um, um, Homer's chasing after like um, a roast pig and it's like, it's still good. It's still good. It's still good. <laughs> It, that was me and Spirit. Right. Like, no, it's fine. I'm enjoying this. They're talking. Like, just trying to convince yourself there's something. I was like, there, yeah, yeah, they're talking about like, like guilt and Germany and like and like the split country at that point. This is you know, this is heady stuff. I'm like, this is bad. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Calvin. I think Calvin likes something too. Sorry. Well, I guess we'll find out if he is upset with you when he listens to this. Yeah, uh, he often is. Um. <laughs> he, should he should be more. He often actually often isn't, but he should be. <laughs> um. And then his second question from Calvin, which I am not equipped to answer, but I believe you have prepared something for, which is to rank every piece of Hamlet media ever. Yes. Um, all right. I actually haven't seen that many strict strict versions of Hamlet, um, apart from just like random, like just off the cuff stuff that I've like watched clips off for work. Um, I So we'll say Hamlet as a thing, as a play is its own thing. Um, I like the Dev Tenant one. The Dev Tenant one's very good. He's very good at his Hamlet. Um, 
I have not seen Ethan Hawke Hamlet. I'd like to. Um, um, and I've not seen Kenneth Branagh four hour Hamlet. Ooh. Beb hates it. I trust Beb. Um, I've no, though, have you seen Kenneth Branagh's Much Ado About Nothing? No. It's very good. Although very, I'm, very good. <laughs> I'm at a low point with Kenneth Branagh, so I'm not it's, sure I'm giving much motivation to have a. Uh, it's very good. Go Keanu, Reeves, Keanu Reeves Reeves doing Shakespeare. Now that does sell me much Lawrence more than Fishburne Kenneth Branagh doing does. Shakespeare. Both he's of those not in it, I forget. Oh. Um, I don't know. It's been I haven't seen it for, I seen it for a long time. <laughs> um, there is at least an Othello with Lawrence Fishburne. Um, uh, so the best Hamlets of from the ones I've seen. Um, I'm going to save the real best one till the end because it's kind okay. of a caveat. The best Hamlet is Hamlet. Number one, Hamlet. William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Very good. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. What a movie. Coming in at number two, we have The Bad Sleep Well, Akira Kurosawa's weirdly underseen masterpiece, one of Akira Kurosawa's best movies. You talk to most people, they haven't seen it. I don't know why. It's absolutely incredible. Would you know it's based on Hamlet without being told that? No, not really. I'll be honest. Um, like, if we take Throne of Blood as being pretty much Macbeth, and we take Ran as being, oh, I see that it's King Lear, this is further away than that. Um, there are some plot points, but yeah, it's, it's so, it's, it's a, it's a, a cousin to Hamlet. Um, then, The Lion King. Okay. Then, I'm going to have to say The Northman, annoyingly. <laughs> you get to include and it in your then, ranking now. And then, The Lion King. Both Lion King, okay. Yeah. I, I have so not the seen Lion King, Lion King. The Northman, and The Lion King. So The Lion King won, then The Northman, and The Lion King. Okay. A joke that I always enjoy is referring to films that have sequels <laughs> as something one, like Psycho One, for example. Psycho One's a really good movie. Have you seen Psycho One? Psycho One rules. The Lion King One's the, really, really good. The I haven't Lion seen King Lion King Two. The Lion no. King Two is based on Romeo and Juliet, I believe. Oh, is it really? Mm. It's a oh. straight to DVD sequel. Oh, that's wasn't it Lion King Two and a Half, or are those two different movies? Oh God, that might be the same. If I don't know, that's like Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackass confusing the titling. Very very similar. So yeah, those are my best, my favorite Hamlets. The actual best Hamlet is um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. A play by Tom Stoppard. Are you familiar with this play? I'm not. Oh, it's so goddamn good. There is a movie of it that stars Tim Roth that I should see. I hear the movie's pretty good. I think Tom. Tom Stoppard writes it also. Tom Stoppard is an amazing playwright, um, though I think he wrote Anna Karenina, the um, Joe Wright movie, and I don't like that movie. So, sorry, Tom Stoppard. Um, Conflict but, within Stephen, though. Yeah, Rosencrantz Guilds are dead. <laughs> um, I don't know how well you know Hamlet, probably not very well, because why would you? Um, yeah. You've not had to teach it. Um, <laughs> but there are two characters, tragically missing from the Northmen, called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Um, they exist in The Lion King. The Lion King will do this, but <laughs> it's because they're invented by, by Shakespeare. Um, they're the comic relief characters. So it's Zazu oh, right. and um, I forget the other character in, in The Lion King. Um, and their role is to enter scenes and to facilitate and to give comedic relief. And okay. ultimately they become very integral to the plot because they're the people that transport Hamlet to England and that doesn't go very well. Um, so there's an interesting like literary argument there of these characters are completely ancillary and completely irrelevant right. yet also wholly relevant at the same time so you could get rid of this character but they're integral to the plot rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead is hamlet from their point of view it makes them the main characters oh that's great and it's <laughs> them on the stage 
becoming aware that they are in a constructed universe where there where nothing they do matters what they can have the power <laughs> of it opens with them flicking coins forever and it only ever being heads like oh my god it's heads again it's heads again it's heads again oh that's it's great heads again. <laughs> heads again and hamlet just happens in the background and it reminds you that Hamlet's weird and amusing. If Hamlet happened, they're just like, "What the hell was that? What's going on?" And it's it's just it's so good. And then it gets to play within the play. It's 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 made my favorite play ever. I think it's just so funny. It's so clever, and it's this great uh, meditation on mortality of what it means to have agency and be in this world and to be part of right. bigger things in that outer wilds kind of way. Is it enough to be part of something bigger? Um, and it's also so funny. Um, I saw a really great version of it streamed to cinemas with Daniel Radcliffe um, in one of the lead oh, roles. Okay. And he was good nice. in it. He's not a good actor, but he was good in it. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Rosencrantz, he's, he seems charming. Based, as I said, about The Lost City, which I saw yesterday, he seems very, very nice. He's not good at acting at all. It seems <laughs> lovely. Um, so yeah, Rosencrantz, Guilds of the Dead is the best thing to come from Hamlet. And therefore, by Transitive Properties, the Hamlet um, legend. Well, I'm sold on this play that I certainly can't go so and see good. right now. But so, so <laughs> I mean, you can you can read it and it's still brilliant. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Moving on to a question from our very good friend, Jack. Mm, I know him. Um, and I'll circle back to this um, because we have a more general question included here and we want to continue on with uh, Northman adjacent questions. So... Um, Eggers Northman, some like it, some dislike it. If he announced a new film based on source material you know well, what would you want it to be? Eggers' Hunchback of Notre Dame, Eggers' take <laughs> on Ape Escape, how about Eggers' dark and grueling <laughs> adaptation of the life and times of Nelson Mandela? I'm all ears. Nobby, nobby boy. I can't say that I know that source material very well. Nobby, nobby boy. Katty <laughs> Takahashi is nobby, nobby boy. That might be the name is wrong. The guy that made Katamari Damacy um one of the greatest games of all time um which Love i Katamari. once once um, broadcast into the server and people just joined and were really into playing Katamari. <laughs> um he made a game for the ps3 and ps3 alone called nobby nobby boy um which you play boy and you stretch boy and then you feed your stretched boy to girl and that is all that you do is it a toy is it a game don't matter what? you had two sticks you just drag them out. You move them around. You just stretch and stretch and stretch. It is a nothing of a game, and it's so cool. You just you just interact with things. Things hop on you. Things ride you. You can swallow things to get bigger, or you just stretch to get bigger. And you can contract to poop things out. I spent hours trying to poop in my own mouth. Never quite managed. <laughs> I, there's in a million years i am never gonna have a better answer than nobby nobby boy nobby nobby boy nobby nobby boy, <laughs> nobby, nobby boy was my flex game of i've got all the trophies on it um, on playstation because i love it it's oh, love so that. so good um uh i got so many friends to get it um it's got co-op co-op is is awful because the camera <laughs> controls are so terrible the controls are purposely bad it's like so bad to control and this is so this could be so unsurprising for you but i was even more irritating when i was at university than i am now um and one of our housemates despite him being actually weirder than any of us was much more popular than any of us so occasionally he would like have cooler people around and occasionally some ladies around be interested in him and i would always make sure to be there in the front room playing nobby nobby boy <laughs> just to be <laughs> so like, that's fantastic that? so i, I would just, the one time I, and I would i would hide the controller under my knee and just like just there staring at this weirdness on the screen <laughs> that and tokyo jungle were the things i played to like act as weird so yeah um nobby um, eggers make a nobby nobby boy movie i love a story like that because that's a the most Stephen thing I can imagine, and I can picture that 
exactly happening. Oh, um, definitely so do not have a better answer than that. I love the idea of, <laughs> of Eggers adapting obscure Japanese video games for the PS2. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's four pounds, buy it. Have you got a PS3? Buy Nobby Nobby Boy. Oh, it's man. so great. That's wonderful. Well, I love that. that what a great answer. Uh, we got two emails from Beb here. Mm. Having not seen The Northman, I have a question about it that I need to know before seeing it. And this is, <laughs> I was thinking about this because we we unintentionally stumbled upon this conversation earlier. Ethan <laughs> Hawke plays King <gasps> King Arvindil the Roar War Raven. And I'm wondering what I can expect from his performance. Does Ethan explain what the film is about <laughs> at the end? I don't think I'll enjoy it very much if he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. Unfortunately, he doesn't. He it's doesn't. such a bummer. And it would be perfect because, especially because he's barely in the movie. Yeah. Um, if he introduced and then closed the film within the film, making sure to tell us this is a part of the Northman. <laughs> I would actually go, you know what? Screw it. Seven out of 10. <laughs> that, that would be, that would be yeah. wonderful. Unfortunately not. Um, so you might hate this movie, Beb. Sorry to, really sorry to break there. the news he, to you, he but Ethan Hawke is fantastic. Um, is and then not? he's just great. Uh, second question from Beb, following up with a genuine question. Does the Northman signify what? anything about Eggers' future as a director in terms of divergence from or continuity of his style? Basically, what direction do you think the film indicates he may lead now that he has a bit more of a film portfolio? Additionally, are there any other directors in a similar fledgling state to where Eggers is slash was that you're eager to see evolve over the course of their next few works? I think he's going to zag. I think this is a zig. I think he's going to go ultra weird, smaller, stranger. Is my Maybe that's just a hope. But I think you get I, that kind of like one for them, one for me mentality. I, I think agree. he's done his big thing. This is his June. This is his David Lynch's June. I'm saying it. And then it's going to cause <laughs> a counter reaction where he makes something weird in the lighthouse. Nobby Nobby Boy is his next movie. I think this is a continuity of his style. Like we've talked about extensively, like it is deeply and extensively researched and it's super atmospheric and there is a weirdness to it. But I do agree. I think that the next step is let's go back to, you know, 20 million dollar movie and it's going to be weird as hell and it's going to be yeah. just delirious and awesome yeah i i maybe i just hope so but i do i do th i would be surprised if also because it's not it doesn't look like it's going to do that well right um though it's hard to tell because obviously it's had its american release and that will be where it makes most of its money realistically but then also it's telling that the way the movie industry works now gonna be big america can't be a biggest market because america isn't the biggest market anymore so the fact that's the case yeah, maybe an issue for it um so I think it's going to be forced into the smaller movie, which I'm in favor of. Yeah, I would agree. I think I'm in favor of that as well. Despite liking this movie a lot, yeah. I think that I think that probably a smaller movie works more to yeah. his benefit. Like, I mean, the single, single location stuff, I mean, both in The Witch and yeah. The Lighthouse is just phenomenal. I mean, yeah. Do I want George Miller to make Babe 3? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Am I glad they made Babe 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They we all are. Too much money to make that. Fantastic. But no, he should not return to Babe. He should do weird stuff like Mad Max Fury Road, which again, <laughs> um, but I understand you have an extensive list for the second part of this question. <sighs> and I first. very, okay. I, I only have about five here I um, have that I was able to kind of pull together. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know that Stephen has too many. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, arguably 25. Now I feel like, I, yeah, I feel like you sent me a message saying you were going to pare it down a little bit. Clearly that did not a, happen. I have a list of 15 and the rest, are, three of them are jokes. 15 still <laughs> feels like a lot for this question, but yeah. I'm in favor of it. We're already, this is obviously a very long episode. So I say we just go for it. 
Okay. Um, you first. So my list, uh, I've got a few. Um, I, I, I mean, I like a lot being able to look at a director. things he likes. <laughs> um, I like a lot being able to look at a director and like watch that trajectory and like watch them evolving over time. Um, and I think that's just always great. So I kind of have like a mix of some that have a few more movies and have been in there a bit longer. Yeah. I tried yeah, no, to keep I, it low um, I tried as far as to, how many movies they've yeah. got. Um, and one that I really like, all I, I haven't seen actually his most recent because I didn't hear great things about it, but Jeremy Saulnier is a great director. Oh. I love the trajectory of his first three movies. I think from murder party to blue ruin and green oh, murder party so good such a great <laughs> evolution um great stuff um haven't seen hold the dark i don't know if you have i have i have um i was about to say was that in the recent movie there is one scene in that film that is exceptional the rest of the film is okay didn't he do he directed some of true detective though i think oh really did he i didn't know that yeah okay um which is good um, that makes sense to me um was, was good at doing that but yeah i think he has something coming out in the next this year or next year maybe um that i'm really looking forward to so we'll see Such a good if show. he continues that. <laughs> continues that trajectory um i've also got cooper rafe who i don't think you've seen any of it well i mean he only has one full release um but shithouse <sighs> terrible title but a great movie um Ooh. and then <laughs> and then this People year kept telling me that yeah. the tv show oh god what was it called money heist People kept telling me oh, that it's money a terrible heist is a it's show a I should terrible watch. Title. And I'm like, I am not watching. If they cannot be bothered to name their show, <laughs> I am not watching it. I here in Spain because it's Spanish. It's called El Casa de Papa or something like something like yeah. an actual name for Makes a thing. Much more sense. I'm not watching Money Heist. I'm not watching Shit House. <laughs> I have I would, standards, Vaughn. All right. I I listen. I agree with you about Money Heist. I would encourage everybody to watch Shit House, which is again a terrible title not mm. the title that the movie should have, but is a lovely movie, his follow-up that is currently in the, the festival circuit and hopefully we'll get a wide release this year. Movie. I've, I'm not watching a film called Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Actually, you know what? I take back. That is a good wonderful. title. They are like both effect. wonderful movies. Um, just kind of nice little movies about growing up and kind of yeah. perfectly positioned, at least for, for my age, as far as like what that I have experienced in cool. recent years. Um, so that's great to see. Um, so that's just two movies, but so I want to see that you've experienced that a shit house and you've char charred real smooth. Good to know. <laughs> uh, metaphorically, sure. Um... <laughs> I didn't mean to make Steven spit out his drink. It's <laughs> a good joke, I did it. Um... Um, and then also, Brandon Cronenberg. Ah, so you get one of mine, you got one of mine. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Possessor yes. is brilliant and i love possessor mm. and i can't wait to see whatever he works up next because antiviral was good awesome. antiviral is pretty good um possessor is incredible <laughs> antiviral ain't bad so yeah cannot wait especially now that daddy cronenberg has got a new movie coming out brandon's gonna have oh, to yeah. step up even more <laughs> now they're competing yeah um, oh they are though oh, that, that... <laughs> what a cool idea there are that two is, cool. out there. <laughs> and especially that possessor is like has a lot of stuff you like about a Cronenberg movie. Oh yeah, but also it's definitely substantively different. Definitely. I'm like, yes, oh, Possessor is incredible. Yeah, so cool. 
what a great movie and a great soundtrack as well love that music mm. in that movie um one that you might have as well although he has a little bit longer of a career at this point so maybe you didn't include him but i also wanted to mention him because i saw his most recent movie um but peter yeah, strickland this my, yeah this is on my also's yep. i i'm so mad you saw that movie <clears throat> i am one of the biggest i'd say i'm gonna say it, i'm one of the biggest peter strickland fans in the world i love his films so much brilliant he director only notable alumni from the university in the town that i grew up in um, oh, okay. so that's a fun thing awesome. um so he's not from that town but it's university there i did not go to university there so that doesn't even actually link to me <laughs> but it's still fun to say uh, that is fun I to say wait for his new movie is it good it's so good like it's oh, yeah I, I, I did know that you said that like I, said that again. I feel like i mean it just seems like he just keeps getting weirder and weirder as you know he keeps making movies and it's like in the best way possible it's got the weirdness to me of in fabric of like this world that doesn't really amazing this world that doesn't really make sense and it's kind of like adjacent like everything is sort of different like i don't want to spell out too much about flux gourmet but i bet you totally, couldn't spoil it i bet that's you could true. not spoil this film for me. <laughs> but i'll say that like kind of like the baseline of flux gourmet which is his latest movie is God, like what a great name. <laughs> this world where like bands make music with food <laughs> is basically like the premise so <laughs> and so like everyone's dream is to be a sonic caterer which is such a great <laughs> term <laughs> and it's so weird and it's so good and like he plays with that sound stuff that like you know barbarian sound studio is like all about like mm. that weird grating sound it's just awesome it's so weird and it's so fantastic and i was just watching it the whole time and i was like this is so fucking weird and i love it i cannot wait for this movie so much um yeah he's one of my also rants because he's, he's he is a bit established but he's not made that many duke of right. burgundy is one of my favorite movies it, yeah, it is not a i Less in the in the weird bizarre camp, but just a brilliant movie as well. Just really absolutely like brilliant. He's so good. I remember a story about him. I mean, my favorite story about him is that he was on a. He, I heard him interviewed in a podcast about music in films. It's about the soundscape of a, of a Razorhead that he loves, which I love, and it doesn't surprise me that he loves that. And that's such a huge influence on his right. work, obviously. And he said that he fell asleep partly through watching it the first time and woke up during it confused and felt that was the way to watch the movie I'm like peter strickland i think you're right you know what? that is <laughs> raise the head is the kind of movie you should fall asleep in wake Man. up and be like yeah and flux gourmet nails that because you can be awake the whole time and the whole time be like i don't know what is going on but then it ends like other strickland movies and you're just like but that was that was so good you know it just like sinks in afterwards and you just love it short films are so good i love that short film of his that's just like flapping penises that one rules if you've not seen that i have not seen that i think it's called guo4 or something oh man it's just it's just willies um it's like just like hyper aggressive barely animated just like masculine forms just bashing at each other in a way where you can't tell if it's violent or not violent and it All shows right. you like how like it's, it's that like and it, right. it has this industrial horrible soundtrack it's again it's it a projection on things do we find violence do we find beauty right. Can beauty? It's, 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 it's smart it's cool cold meridian his other short recently i have to watch his shorts then so oh, he's so good he's so he just <laughs> does it so well and yeah i remember someone talking about him that worked with him saying that he just like Sent, he occasionally apparently just like sends them things he's into and he just sent them like a file of just like a pneumatic drill outside it was like isn't this great and they're like no it's not great <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me oh man <laughs> just loving drills yeah um, i love that um the best yes absolutely everyone should watch all of peter strickland's movies uh if mm. you haven't i've um, not seen the first one i should do i know that, that matt has so oh I yeah i don't think it. i've seen that either that's um, uh I can't Vargo, no um Anyway, the last name on my list, um, 
which is interesting, also a little bit longer of a career, um, but I thought it was interesting because I feel like there's some similar trajectory here, but David Lowry. Um, he's on my list, yeah. Yeah, brilliant director. Love everything of his that I've seen. I haven't seen all of it, um, but kind of that similar, like he started out with like that those smaller films and then he made like a huge studio movie. He made Pete's Dragon and then mm. kind of went back to, now I'm going to keep making the weird yeah. stuff that I really want to make. Um, and again, like The Green Knight is brilliant and A Ghost Story. And I just love brilliant. A Ghost Story so oh, yeah. much. I, it's one Amazing of the best films in the last few years. Um, that's a good list. It's a very, very good list. Um, I'll, start, I'll start with my joke answers, first of all. Okay. Um, so obviously the thing was fledgling directors that, you know, see how their career develops. Um, Hong Sang-soo. Um, Hong Sang-soo. Okay. <laughs> what, like 115 movies or whatever? who makes approximately five movies a year but i also like i feel like he's just i i, I love any excuse but Hong i love him so much he's my favorite working filmmaker of i'm taking bev literally here i just want to see where he's, I, I love how he plays with his own career i love his films as a filmography more than i love any of them independently people ask me to recommend them a Hong Sang movie i go just watch all of them. I, I can't remember you one of them. They're only right. interesting as a collective to me because they are they are okay. meditations on a theme. They they play with each other. So the way I'm so much more interested in the way that his filmmaking develops when it does. Um, number two, Takashi Miike. Um, <laughs> he's made over hundred movies, but again, still feels like he's starting new things all the time and doing oh, yeah. like crazy wild things. Number three of my joke answers, Steven Soderbergh. Okay. A director that's retired, <laughs> but that's but that's why because it feels post-retirement. Steven Soderbergh feels like a new director, and I know we've gone through that's his true, yeah. and he always used to zig and zag and go crazy. But now he's just doing whatever. Now he just doesn't yeah. care anymore. Um, so there's a point there. All right, here are the ones that didn't quite make it because I felt they're a bit outside of it. Joanna Hogg. Um, she's not made that many okay. movies. I've seen all of them. I think everyone is better than the last one. I think they're brilliant, and I've recommended for you to watch Exhibition this year. Um, oh yes, which you have. I I love that movie, um, and she's been doing it for a while, um, but has not made that many films. She's so interesting. Strickland, um, yes, Clio Barnard as again, who you saw Ali oh, yeah. from recently. Um, she's Great been going movie. for a while, but not that many movies. Um, so important. Andrea Arnold, who recently made Cow, but before that made American Honey, which I haven't seen. Um, but um, Fish Tank, which is absolutely brilliant. So there's, I feel this is this this great wave at the moment of like female British filmmakers that are so goddamn good. So Arnold, Barnard and Hogg, just absolutely incredible. Um, and Kleber Mendoco Filho and Juliana Donellas, who um, together directed Baccarat. Um, oh, okay. Um, I know that um, Kleber Mendoco Filho, he also directed Neighboring Sounds, which is a really good movie. Um, so he's okay. done a few things, but then together Baccarat is just incredible. I think it's weirdly, I hate when underrated, but it's a weird, overrated, underrated is cool. It's a weirdly underrated film. Yeah. Uh, I think it's so much better than it gets given credit for. I think it's so much more intelligent. I think the way it blends genre is so clever and I can't wait to see what they do next or what he does next. In the most recent sight and sound, he interviews Paul Verhoeven, um, which is a great choice. Oh, it seems like he's getting more clout recently. Oh, just love him. So my actual list, Okay, and now, now down to the actual list of yeah. 15 more people. Number one, Eliza Hitman, um, who you will know from never, rarely, sometimes, always. Okay. Um, an absolutely fabulous movie. I like her movies before as well. Um, Beach Rats, It Felt Like Love, etc. She, she's such an interesting filmmaker and is carrying on that Claire Denis thing of knowing how to capture bodies and bits of bodies and that showing a part of someone can be so communicative. Um, Mark Jenkin, who directed Bait, which is one of 
and it says it's a lot, but I mean it, one of the greatest movies ever made. Yeah, I don't know anyone that doesn't like that movie, so I really need to watch it. It's it's a it's it's it is it is you'll know why I love it so much because I keep going back to this point. I love watching the thing, I'm like, there's nothing like this that exists. It is right. it is a totally unique thing, but it's so culture specific, it's so clever, it's so funny, it's so brilliant. He's got a new movie coming out, it's premiering at Cannes called Ennis Men. Cannot wait. Mark Jenkin, his short films are good as well. He is where it's at. He is one of the right. of cinema. Um, Josephine Decker. Josephine Decker absolutely <laughs> rules. I'm wearing a Josephine Decker t-shirt right now because I own one. Um, well, confirm that he is wearing it since I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the only Thank one that you. can actually see Stephen. Yeah, but I am. I am. Um, Josephine Decker. Um, it's a shame I didn't see her most recent movie, so maybe I'm lying to myself, but Madeline's Madeline is phenomenal. Um, uh, that Was Modern Lovely is so good. Butter on the Latch is so good. That weird... I love Mumblegore. Mumblegore is a fun genre. I love that Mumblegore oh, is a, <laughs> a genre. That mix of Mumblecore and horror. Um, arguably, um, Your Next is Fringe Mumblegore. Um, it's a good movie. I like that movie. Yeah. I mean, and Ty West's stuff is kind of Mumblegory as well, of that thing of like it's part shoegazing, mumbly right. stuff, and then occasionally horror stuff. Josephine Decker, I didn't like Shirley as much as her other films. I did like Shirley. She's so interesting. She's going to make great stuff and continue to. She didn't even that reason I didn't see it, but I just, I just didn't. I'm sorry. Jordan Peele is such an obvious one. Oh, yeah. But, That's a great, great one. But, but yeah, it's, Get Out is incredible. I love it. It's interesting because like he totally fits into this perfectly, but like, to me, it just feels like he's already so established. Like, obviously he's not, and he's still in that mm. state and he's still working towards something. But I don't know. I feel like just because it's, probably because- before. One, because he was famous before. And also I think just because just the two films that he has are just like so pervasive yeah. already. Like it feels like he's been around for so long, but it totally, also, totally fits. Really, really looking forward to Nope. I think it's also a tragic reflection of the homogeneity of the film industry of him being a bold- um, interesting black filmmaker um, makes him stand out more in a way that yeah. it should not because there should be more of those um, and there are more of those but they're not given the platform that's very that he true. is able yeah. to get because of his pre-existing fame and um, I think that's why he stands out so much and it's it's telling of of the homogeneity of Hollywood the system of uh, David Lowry um, again you agree Jennifer Kent Jennifer Kent Babadook is oh yeah one of the best horror movies of of the decade of all time actually it's absolutely brilliant and the nightingale is even better boots riley boots riley sorry to bother oh, yeah. you is just <laughs> that movie phenomenal. is so good it's my fantastic. favorite movie of that year that came out um absolutely brilliant he's making another movie fantastic his music also is amazing you listen to the coup the coup are like the best band the just the best rap group ever i would say um i don't know why you didn't go for this one okay. but maybe it's because he's made too many movies sean baker i still think sean baker is still yes, carving I... out something that's a good that's a good one i did think about it and it was exactly that i thought he has been around for a little bit longer but then i think i kind of shifted my own criteria and probably should have included him uh also haven't seen some of his earlier stuff which is on me um yeah i mean me too i've seen the, the films that i presumed at the time they were the only ones until recently i was like oh god he made more stuff right i presumed those three films were his only three <laughs> films but no probably not so you know the, the, the you know tangerine was his first movie shut up i don't care i mean it wasn't <laughs> awesome um so yeah sean baker greta gerwig um oh yeah she's only made two movies um she's been in some movies before that so you think so much i'm very excited about barbie it's very interesting to me i like no bound back more than i should um i think it's a great filmmaker <laughs> um i like them together as a pair and they do great stuff um i'm very excited for her to get an opportunity to get away from the apt criticism of her work um the two movies she'd made are very white um 
and they did not have to be. And the way they've posted the cast list for Barbie seems to be fronting the fact that maybe that is not that. They seem to be making that point that it's going to be a more diverse and therefore better um, cast in that way because it does not need to be. But I, I, I love Lady Bird so much. Um, the way that you spoke about the Cooper Rave movies is the way I think about Laybird. I think that movie just so resonated with me of yeah. people, because it's set in the time when I grew up with right. characters that were the same age as I was, like seeing that Windows, like seeing things like that Windows XP background and being like, <laughs> yeah, man. Like it just, I, totally. that movie yeah. is just so incredible. Right. Like, I don't know. I love the weird kids because I was a weird kid. So the movie's about the weird kids growing up in the early <laughs> 2000s, like, yeah that's my jam and it's just it's so good at the, about the specific becoming universal and little women is a book that i think is decent turned into a masterpiece of a movie great movie of, yeah that takes a victorian novel and and gives it the romanticism treatment that it should have always had it's just so structurally intelligent oh what an amazing movie um matty diop um who made atlantics oh, yeah. um, need to watch that and should make more atlantics is so good matty diop who you may also know from um 32 shots of rum yeah, for two shots of rum, the fabulous Claire Denis movie, absolutely brilliant phenomenal. movie. Yeah, uh, oh, so goddamn good. Um, she's making more stuff. She's absolutely brilliant. Um, Jane Shundrun. Um, I have said that they are the future of cinema, and I stand by it. Um, okay. We're all going to the World's Fair. Is just, uh, yeah. it's it's really so need to watch that. Yeah, it's it, it is that is what on cinema be. I talk about this in the stacks about people when they were asked filmmakers what the future of cinema was. Um, it's about technology. Um, Sight and Sound asked all kinds of filmmakers about what they think of the new filmmakers of the future was going to be, and it was like Ben Wheatley and um, Mark Cousins who were like, you know what, those TikTok people and like that new media stuff, probably media stuff, that's the future. And I was like, yeah, you people are actually down with it. And World's Fair feels like that, like movies that get the internet and these weird new relationships, that's where film is going, and I cannot wait for it. And those that think those things are degrading film are idiots. Um, Olivia Wilde, Oh, yeah, that's a great shout. Yeah, definitely. Booksmart is incredible. Booksmart um, is fantastic. Make more movies. You, she's so good at it. Brandon uh, Cronenberg. Yeah. Olivia Wilde has a movie um, coming out this, mm, is it this year or next year. I think I so. Yeah. She's got, she, there's yeah. one coming out. Cannot wait. Um, and again, like such a bold, like playing in known space for doing something different with it. Booksmart's so good. Uh, yeah, Brandon Cronenberg possesses. Incredible. Um, Charles Roxburgh and Matt Farley. Um, absolutely they've been doing it for a long time but again they are like because it's you know underground movie making they're still like carving out different things heard you got married such a different film to their other films and finally and i've saved this for last because you will not believe my choice here um i really mean this a fledgling film director who has made one film that i think is outstanding one of the best films the last few years i cannot wait to see what happens and it's something else but arguably they've made two films. Arguably they've made more films. I'm saying they've made one feature film. Okay. Bo Burnham. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, which is which is interesting because people know your thoughts on Inside, but oh, I hate grade. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham. Like, <laughs> right. I cannot, cannot stand Bo Burnham. The comic exactly. Actor and comedian. I see why cannot you stand it. Think I hate all of his stuff. 
eighth grade is perfect. Eighth, eighth grade is such a phenomenal movie. That, again, movie. links back to World's Fair. Of, it, it gets the internet and relationships and all kinds of things. Um, I would love Bo Burnham to return. To, you know, Bo Burnham, stop making like wanky crap in your basement. Your fake basements <laughs> live in your basement and start making masterpiece movies again. Like you're good at that. <laughs> Make masterpiece movies or be good in Promising Woman. It's good in that. Um, Bo Burnham is my 15th and final. Interesting. You're right. I did not expect that one. Mm, um, but a very good answer. Um, all right. I, <laughs> this podcast is so long, <laughs> but in a good way. Um, hopefully people actually enjoy a very long episode. Well, they can um, skip around. Yeah. That's true. Uh, from Ben, what yes. type of project would you guys like to see Robert Eggers take on next now that he's done a couple of horror flicks and a big budget movie? Kind of similar to Jack's, but more of a sincere answer that is not Nobby Nobby. Nobby, oh, Nobby okay. Nobby. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have heard him say he's only interested in period films. Um, all on board with that. I, he was interviewed on. Have you listened to Roger Deakins' podcast? Because you should. I have in bits and pieces, but not at length. Um, haven't gotten a chance to really sit the, down. The Eggers episode is really, really interesting. And um, yeah, talks about only wants to make period films because he likes the research thing. Um, hmm. Which is great. I mean, I think he nails that. Obviously, it's working well for him. So there's no reason for him to. I mean, I can't really even imagine what him doing a contemporary movie would look like i think that would almost be weird at this point um so i if he if that's what he wants to do then that would be great i think especially given like his comments whether they were off the cuff and maybe not as sincere or not but it would be awesome to see him return to like something that's more of like a folk horror angle and like see what he would do with that now with like a different perspective yeah. i think that it's such a great genre in the first place and like mm. to go and there's so much direction you can go with it like it doesn't have to be something that feels like it's just echoing the witch but to see something similar to that i think would be fantastic western i'd love to do a western oh that would also be that would be yeah that would be phenomenal in a kind of like bone tomahawk oh yeah exactly what i thought kind of, of like yeah, yeah yeah like obviously like artistically different to that but like that that would be great in like a mix cutoff I think actually it means like obviously would not be for that means cut off. Kelly Reichart I almost mentioned for that list, but I think Kelly Reichart is so established now um, because you know first cow was a sensation because it was always going to be because it's so so good. Um, but means cut off like feels so realistically part of what the West actually is, and I'd love to see him make a proper like revisionist Western movie. Like just, just would be so good. Yeah, so that, so good. That's a that's a great answer. I would like to see that as well. Just want to mm. see more Eggers movies. Yeah. I mean, one um, fewer, but I think we can last them. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, email from Luke. Mm. The Northland hey, is a phenomenal film and one of the best great. of the year so far for no, me. <laughs> no, <laughs> <it's>, um, <laughs> no, I have a top 11 of the year so far. I think it's at nine. Well, Luke, I'm, I'm not interrupting you. Just... Uh, just to note there. Um, Luke, I'm making you feel like you're involved in the conversation, Luke. This is, you know, it's a parasocial relationship. Get involved. Um, I, I welcome your <laughs> contributions, Luke. Unlike Vaughn here. The Northman is at six on the list. It's at six on the list. Just behind Jackass Forever. That's interesting that you... It's an interesting list. I, want, I need to actually look at your list for the year. If that's number six, and it's a movie that you claim is actually actively bad... Well, it's because it's my post stacks list, so it only started very recently. Oh, okay. So there's only excellent films on it. Um, so yeah, after Yang and Turning Red are the top two by far, and then it's and oh, actually, and then One Summer on Earth, which I do love a lot, 
Um, and then it's the rest of the films I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Luke notes that he has not seen everything everywhere all at once yet, mm. as we as we know, since the UK has not gotten it yet, which is so unfortunate. Um, oh, I can't wait for that movie. Emma's so excited for that film as well. We watched the trailer <laughs> and we're just like, oh, God damn. <laughs> It's, oh, it's, so it's, it's the best um absolutely excited for you to be able to see it um oh. i will save the rest of luke's email because it is sonic focused so next episode yeah. we'll talk about that sonic sweep sonic sweep sonic sweep <laughs> now a question a serious question from uh from cody hey good lovely friend cody um comment and a question first i wanted to say i love your chemistry and have a ton of fun listening to you oh. talk about films and of course spoiling things <laughs> exactly as everyone knows yeah. um as for the question i wanted to ask you guys what you think eggers is best at in general with film is it his detail and period pieces or the isolated atmosphere that tends to accompany them or something else entirely that's a good question i like that you gave me the answer in it because you're, <laughs> you're right <laughs> yeah that's true i yeah i mean i think it is just the the rich atmosphere of it that comes from that period detail like he does put so much effort into constructing the world that it then just very fluidly lends itself to now here we go this is this is all brilliant and atmospheric i think i'm gonna say because i think my reaction to northman and lighthouse has sculpted this for me because obviously all three films have very very clear period details so therefore it'd be disingenuous for me to say that's the best thing because clearly it's not for me um even though i would think that for me i think it has to be the grounding when he uses period detail to ground the strangeness and weirdness which is why i think lighthouse is not right. as effective for me okay so for me it, it's it's that wonderful connection between the two of this like off kilter filmic almost like bunwellian just like because i mean i think there is like a a lovely comparison between the lighthouse and shannon delu um specifically uh the way that it plays with imagery um it's that combined with verisimilitude that is what works for me. So that alchemy is what works. And I think Perfect. them separately do not work as well. Interesting. And a very fitting answer for, uh, for everything we've talked about today. Final email, and I think we will end it here. There were a couple questions scattered throughout um, that were not directed specifically at the Northmen. Um, but since this has gone on so long, I'll save those for our yes. Sonic discussion yeah, or our after Yang discussion. Less discourse on Sonic. <laughs> I'll, I'll try and I'll have to try and cut this Actually, sadly, less discourse on after Yang is, I think, sadly the issue. Um, um, we'll have to find out. Still have not seen Sonic tonight, so we'll we'll see how uh, how that turns out for me. I've predicted um, five stars from Vaughn. Five stars. <laughs> five stars. I, I won't I won't comment anything about Sonic right now because um, this is five not stars. the Sonic episode. Um, but we have an email from Reiner. Um, hey, Stephen and Zeb, here are some stray Northman thoughts and questions. Apologies Ooh. if this strays into more of a comment than a question territory. Feel free to ignore Sweet anything you can't use in the pod. We will use all of it. <laughs> I will read every, every word of this. Guarantee. Email. That's why you listen, you know. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts about how this film fits in thematically with the rest of Eggers' filmography, one through line wow. in The Witch and The Lighthouse, 
I really latched onto when the latter came out concerns the final fate of their respective protagonists. They each end up at the doorstep of some sort of transcendence, but while Thomason and the witch is accepted by the evil forces in the woods of her family home and levitates off into the air, Ephraim slash Thomas in the lighthouse is rejected by, well, the lighthouse and crashes <laughs> back down to earth to suffer some sort of eternal torment at the hand of seals. So when I went into the Northmen looking to see if Amleth would meet a similar fate to either of those characters, and while the ending does seem to suggest that he makes it to Valhall, though even after two viewings I'm admittedly a bit foggy on how we're supposed to interpret the two scenes of Valkyrie imagery, that feels a bit more than an afterthought well, no, here than in the previous two right films. Here, <laughs> I wonder if the ending would play stronger for me if it just ended on Amleth chopping off Fjolnir's head dragon in style while leaving his fate more ambiguous. Spoilers for dragon <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> um, good movie, though. Good movie. Another parallel with Egger's work I found very interesting myself is the fourth chapter of the film of Amleth and Olga terrorizing Fjolnir's homestead, which to me plays out as a quick 45-minute redo of The Witch, but perhaps mm, from the... Yeah perspective of the evil this is personally my favorite section of the film some of the gore imagery has really stuck with me and i love the crescendo it eventually reaches because apart from the incredible village raid that kicks off chapter two yeah it feels to me like the platonic ideal of a robert eggers viking film but i've also heard people say that they find the entire section in iceland drags so i'm curious where you two stand on that and as a final question, I'm wondering if there are any time periods or specific settings you'd be intrigued to see Eggers tackle in the next project now that his Nosferatu film seems to no longer be a going concern, which yeah. I'm quite sad about. We'll um, so we kind of answered that. I hadn't actually read this email before we started recording. Um, but yeah, we kind of got into that part, but I'm- A yeah, Western or Medieval England. I would like to see Medieval England as well. Oh, um, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, but that's you know my my nationalism sleeping through. Um, <laughs> that, that sequence is interesting because I- agree and disagree i agree that independently as i said earlier i'm sure it's really really good and when i think back to it as a fun like pissing about and being annoying as the evil in the village it is a cool sequence but again as paul pointed out very eloquently if the film loses you the film would lost me and i just did not care um so that bit did drag to me but i don't think because that sequence is bad i agree that sequence is actually very good but it was just like i would do more i I would cut it personally, um, or I would make the movie more like that. Maybe I'd cut the bits around it to make it more interesting and creative because it is it is like the witch game. That is an interesting an interesting way to look at it because I do think I like that idea that like it's a movie told from the perspective of the evil and like you're watching them be the terrorizers of this village yeah. and that's that would be interesting to be you know more of the central focus of a different movie. Um, I don't know if that could make it as the only central focus of this movie in particular. Yeah. Um, but that would be interesting to me. I do think this does seem to take a bit of a departure as far like as the, the protagonist, uh, the ending for the protagonist. Um, and I, I actually do think I agree that the ending would probably play stronger if it just ended on the end of that duel. But yeah. I do like the final shots, but you know, it's kind of I a... generally can't remember. It. I was just <laughs> like probably staring at my watch, being like, "Is this movie done?" <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I don't think I, I like the I like. I mean, obviously, I like all of the movie. I know that I am much more in line with these thoughts as far as just yeah. being a fan of the movie. It's good to have um, someone that feels like most people do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did like the whole Iceland section. Like, I I think that it works well as far as like the the moments where it does slow down and drag out a little bit like I didn't mind that um so maybe it does 
drag in a more objective sense, but I think that it drags with sort of an intent, if that makes any sense um, for me, that function yeah, I mean, it, it, functioned it well within the story. Um, didn't mind that at all. Didn't mind anything that uh, happened in Iceland. And I like the, I do like that whole sequence of them terrorizing the village. I think that's sports really sequence well is real good. Oh, Whatever game that it is, they play. Great. That's really, really good. But again, it's a film. It's a film of sequences that I independently like. I'm right. Like, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. good. Just doesn't come together. Right? I totally like, get that. Oh God, more, 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 more. I want less. Less is more. Robert. <laughs> um, Robert Cormack. Robert Cormack McNamee gotcha. believes his full name. Um, <laughs> name, 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 McName face over there. It was McName. Yeah, that'll show you. Um, well, that's all of our listener mail for this week. Thank I'm you. I'm going to end it with, with just one very, very brief. Oh, one it's, it's so throwaway um, okay. from uh, a John Pickles um, who wants to show off the fact that he's an English teacher um, by getting it back to Hamlet with this lovely Hamlet reference. This, this guy's read it Shakespeare. <laughs> to watch or not to watch, that is the question. The Northman, to watch or not to watch. It's interesting. I would. I feel like I would normally have a very straightforward answer, but on this one, I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit briefly yep, earlier about as did. far as like recommending whether I would recommend it's this movie. And I think it, it's not. It's it is. It is not a movie that I would recommend to everyone. But I think if you are a fan of Robert Eggers, if you like the aesthetic or the setting of the full bore Viking madness, absolutely, you should watch this movie. If it seems alienating to you, if you are not a fan of Robert Eggers, then I do not recommend it at all. I don't think that you will suddenly vibe with that style in this movie. Um, I'm going to say no. Don't watch the movie. It's so incredibly optional. <laughs> Here are my suggestions instead. If you're not a man, you get enough men shoved in your face all the time. Do literally anything else. If you are a man, take a bath instead. Take a bath. That all will right. make you confront your own masculinity <laughs> in more interesting ways and will be a better use of your time. Take there a bath. you go you maybe haven't bathed recently baths are good have a bath not a shower i hope our, I hope our listeners have are bathing regularly no no i'm sure they're showering <laughs> frequently i'm sure they frequently shower okay are they having a bath okay. I see. have a long bath let a certain canadian filmmaker tell you how to take that bath as well that's very true let guy madden tell you how and then absolutely have a bath well there you go that is our listener mail for this episode thank you everyone for sending in your emails thank you so always, much always always lovely just absolutely love doing this segment mm. ton of fun um if you want to send in a comment a thought a question anything doesn't have necessarily have to be connected yeah. to anything at all we will talk about yeah, whatever question was awesome i, li I like um, the idea yeah. of things inflected by like here's a thing bam go oh love that yeah so just any any thought that comes into your head if you want us to talk about it on the show please feel free to send it our way. The email is thinkingofspoiling at gmail.com. Um, so please email we us. probably will cover that Nicolas Cage movie at some point, and this will come out before we record about it, because I think it seems like it's worth talking about. Do you agree? Is, is it worth, you've, you've seen it. Is it worth talking about? Um, I would be open to talking about it. Uh, I'm yeah. just curious. Maybe once you see it, you'll have your own thoughts on whether yeah. you want to actually talk about it. I would so, talk about it. Will Nicholas I will talk Cage about it as a whole episode or we'll give an aside to it? That's true. Um, yeah. And I feel Nicholas Cage questions on him would always be very interesting um, because I, I love Nicholas Cage. Um, when the question is asked, who is the best Coppola? Nicholas Cage, definitely. Well, there you go. That's a, I mean, that's a good answer. Then, I can't argue then, with that. I want to say <laughs> Sophia Coppola because like two of the movies are so good. But then, in fact, for, I like three of the movies a lot, actually. Um, but then recently, I just, 
That last one was so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. That movie at all. It's not very good at all. <laughs> um, and now I'm forced to admit that Francis Ford Coppola is very, very good. I'm sorry. <laughs> Conversation. Forced to admit, definitely, and not, not an opinion a lot of people have there. Um, yeah, but you, you, you want to champion the underdog, don't you? You want to be no, like, absolutely. Well, actually check out this. But Francis Ford Coppola is obviously has some some stuff I don't like, but the conversation is an amazing movie. There you go. Um, yeah, so send in your questions, your comments. Uh, you know what we've got coming up next, or if you want to find out what we're, we got yeah. coming up next, um, let us know on Discord or Twitter or wherever you can find us. Drop so us a line. Places throw us a comment on letterbox whatever you want yes. to do yeah um so speaking of really good movies okay very briefly let's recommendations, some recommendations. yes yeah as if we what haven't have talked about recently? enough movies um honestly not a ton of stuff i had to kind of yeah. look through um i've mostly um calvin and i have been watching uh movies at sif and covering hey. that um the our first edition of the capsule reviews came out today so you can read that of the movies yes, that we've watched at SIF. And we'll have more of that soon, probably the same day that this podcast releases. Um, so that's mostly what I've been watching. So I don't have a ton of stuff, but I did recently watch a movie called Mary is Happy, Mary is Happy, which is a very, very lovely movie that everyone should watch. Um, okay. I look forward to finding out what that is. It is a Thai movie, very good, um, that takes the real tweets from a teenager in thailand and turns them into the sort of fictionalized oh, account so of her life like it is but it is much better than that much yeah. much much better than that um because it's just more slice of life and that kind of idea of like the specificity becoming universal and it works really well and it's wonderful and everyone should watch it the music is very Does good have a mika levy score there oh well the music's good anyway <laughs> good rack good rack good rack Good wreck. Um, I was hoping you'd wreck Alien Ava because it's so good, but never mind. Alas, alas, alas. <laughs> We've wrecked it enough. Alien Ava, so this is good. He's seen it now. He loves it too. I have he loves seen it. it I do love it's it. Great. It's fantastic. It's so good. Watch um, it as soon I, as you can. Yeah, oh, please do. It's so damn good. Um, I um, haven't watched that much stuff recently. I mean, realistically, the best film I've watched recently is Bullet in the Head. <laughs> I can't <laughs> recommend that because Vaughn recommended that recently. Oh, it's so goddamn good. People it can't be talked about enough, really. really. It's just, it is a good thing. But um, I... I watched Winter Sleep, um, okay. which is a Nuri Bilge Ceylan movie. I like Ceylan quite a lot. Um, the first Ceylan movie I saw was The Wild Pear Tree, which I saw at the cinema. Um, Emma and I went to go see it. There was a thing that movie used to do, and they still do it, but I don't, I don't subscribe to that part anymore, where you got a free movie ticket a week for paying. So not really free, but upon subscription. And they right. made an extra payment. And, but they picked the film for you. So it's one film per week. Um, and it's the best film released that week so for a while we just saw loads of really cool stuff because it's just like it's it's the art house it's the right. european it's the oh, it's mostly awesome. european focused um and i didn't know what wild pear tree was um i didn't know who ceylan was at that point and i just loved wild pear tree so much it has my favorite performances in film in it um it's 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 such a wonderful movie um i love it so much and it's that classic thing if you leave the cinema and you're like wasn't that great and i was like yeah, I, don't, I don't really like it and i was like no um my favorite thing was emma's being like yeah it was you know i stuff about it's good but did it need to be two and a half hours long the movie's right. three hours and seven minutes long so i'm like well apparently, apparently it went by quicker than you thought because it's it's way longer than that um but yeah the wild petri is fantastic um once my time in atolia is also really 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 good um um, um climats have you seen that very weird coen brothers short film called world cinema 
No, I have not. I think you've mentioned oh it maybe on like God. the first or second episode yeah, of this podcast. Yeah, I've mentioned it all the time because it's so funny <laughs> of the guy going to the cinema um, played by Josh Brolin being like, and he walks in that drawer being like, I want to go see a movie. And his two choices are Le Chacle de Jeu or Clarmets. He's like, I want to go see that Clarmets. <laughs> and he leaves and goes, there was real truth in that. Real, real <laughs> truth. And there you go. Clarmets ain't great. Uh, There's real truth in it. Um, yeah, Winter Sleep is, it turns out, Salon's masterpiece, um, which I'd heard that it was. I watched it in the, in the top 250. Um, and I wanted to watch it anyway. And I had a long plane. Well, not that long plane, but I had a, a four hour plane to be on. So I watched the entirety of Winter Sleep. It's so goddamn good. It is um, 196 minutes long. It's a long movie. Um, it's pretty much conversations. Um, very few characters, very, very constricted. Um, I Sounds wrote great. quite a lot about it. I think it's so, so good of like a great character study of using a character microcosmically, but also being very internalized. Um, it gets called Shakespearean a lot. You know me, I, that makes me go like, mm, okay, because it makes me think there's more literature than Shakespeare. Um, and usually that's just used for a film as literary. Um, right. This one is Shakespearean, genuinely, and it, and it invokes that. So the, the hotel that's based around is called the Hotel Othello, um, which is interesting because it, it links the story to Othello quite cleverly, that there isn't that much story. And there's a great bit towards the end where a bit of Shakespeare is very purposefully quoted as like a final statement. Okay. And the reason why it does feel Shakespearean is because it, it really has this great this great understanding of an arc to a character okay, and the yeah. internal struggle. And he does feel like this, like tragic, this great tragic character. There is a bit of a fellow to him. That's fascinating. There's a lot more of King Lear to him. This person in the middle obviously King Lear, if, if you're not familiar with, you may have seen Ram, but not making Lear that much of the, the King that gives away his kingdom as a show of like love being like, look how great I am. And then his kingdom gets taken from him and he gets exiled from it because he thinks it's this great show. And this is like that, but not giving away the kingdom. This okay. person thinks they're so moral and thinks they're so important and don't realize that everyone kind of hates them <laughs> and they're super insufferable. And it doesn't, it's not a film that has an argument at the end of being like, you're an asshole, but it's all building around that yeah. so cleverly. And it's such a great deconstruction of how we present, how we think we are and how we actually are. And it's all done through brilliant conversations. It's beautifully shot. It's an amazing film. I loved it so much. Well, it sounds fantastic. I will have to Samantha. watch it. And so good. Yeah, pretty much every movie you just mentioned, I need to, uh, oh. need to watch it at some point. It's good. He's good. He makes good movies. One of those Even that climate. A lot of truth yeah. in that. A lot of truth. <laughs> um, so there's some recommendations. Finally, we draw to a close. As everybody knows, as we have discussed, this was kind of an impromptu episode, but we've got uh, Sonic 2 and After Yang next. Yeah. Once again, actually, by the time that we record those, you won't be able to send in questions, but send in comments. We'll let everybody know what we're going to do after that um, to talk about. Um, follow us on Letterboxd at Zebra yes. and Stevenage. Hello. Find us. Exactly. Find us on the, <laughs> find us on the website twingeeks.com. Like I said, we are just getting through covering SIF. Um listen to Sif, all the of our docs, post, looking forward to it. <laughs> listen to all of our other podcasts, the Twin Geeks, Daydream Cast, Ranking the Monsters, Don't Let the Motorn Cast Get You, and 808s and Pod Breaks. And listen mm. to all of those. Enjoy all of those. And there you go. I, I can't see everything. how you wouldn't. And watch the stacks. Watch these stacks. Watch the stacks. Being posted on the twin geeks that's a little joke <laughs> for calvin there um the twin geeks because uh, i made a little i made a little typo earlier um so um yeah the stacks awards every year for two years <laughs> jack now it's annual 
emailed twice it's now annual yay um it's our award show basically i as you can tell just speaking to a microphone far too long and then jack makes it good he talks to me as well <laughs> but i i mostly talk over him because that's how i roll sorry um but then he's he's oh, jack's so good he's so talented like he he, his, he puts music to it he edits it brilliantly he gives it visual flair he puts in so much more effort than the one I'm doing deserves it's, it's phenomenal. It's it's it's, it's Jack a, is the best. It's true. Yeah, he's, he's he's so goddamn good at it. Um, it's in three parts. They're all about an hour long, um, and it's our awards of the year that goes throughout the Oscar season. Um, and we end it with thing I'm really proud of. We actually, I forced this upon Jack, but we decide <laughs> a communal top ten, and we we debate it out. And I, we I picked out our joint our top twenties each, and from that we worked out what was in common, and we negotiate an actual top ten. And That's awesome. My feeling at the end of that podcast slash video because we're gonna release it as a podcast as well i was so happy with that 10 it's not my 10 favorite movie of the year but if i lived in a world where the oscars put that out as the oh, 10 yeah. i'd be like wow because it, it's <laughs> such it's so interesting i can't support anything that's on there but it's such a variety of film it's such a diversity of film it's so indicative of how great film could be and how wide film could be and you look at the 10 movies that are not the best picture of the oscars and you're like I actually hate some of the movies. Right. And the ones I like, <laughs> I don't think are that interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from some of them are great. Um, so yeah, the stacks. I'm super proud of it because I think Jack did a phenomenal job. Um, I've I've even actually watched back bits of it and I found myself chuckling along. I think it's insightful. I think it's good. I agree with me in it. And the things that I, <laughs> I wonder why. Well, there you go. Everybody, watch the stacks as well as everything else. And we will see you next time. Until then, we are thinking of ending this podcast.